Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show presented by CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. Coming into this game, I had a relatively simple request from the Kansas City Chiefs, particularly on offense. Do us all a favor and make something look easy. Now, in years past, that has not been much to ask of the Chiefs at all. They frequently make offense look easy, but with last week's game against the Titans recently in mind, it's been a more laborious sort of football moving for the Chiefs, at least most recently in memory. It might be the running game, it might be the passing game, but generally speaking, all I asked for, it wasn't 200 yards rushing or uh, the 40-point uh, experience that you sometimes, of course, will get from the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But just do something that doesn't look so dang difficult. And for the Chiefs today in a 27-17 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, they did enough and easily enough for it all to work out just fine in my book. Welcome in to the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I am Josh Abrisco. The Chiefs win 27-17, which I just literally just now realized as I was writing down the score on my sheet here for the first time. I'm pretty sure I was calling this game 27-17 all week long. Uh, I don't necessarily want credit for that because I've never had an exacto this season, maybe in seasons past, I'm not sure. But generally, this game went just about like expected, at least in the second half and in the end results, while the process included elements that, of course, I wasn't predicting coming into this game, from the onside kick opening it up to the scary-looking injury to Juju Smith-Schuster that was all encapsulated by Kadarius Toney getting a larger workload with McCole Hardman being out for this game. That's something else we talked about leading up to this game this week. And you saw Tony take advantage of that and look like a real wide receiver, if not a top-level wide receiver at times. You, you saw the Chiefs be able to rely on different players at different points, including the running game, giving Isaiah Pacheco the vast majority of the carries. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was on the field a lot. In fact, I just saw the snap counts scroll through from our friend Adam Teicher of ESPN. His final snap counts on the running backs, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, 35 snaps for Isaiah Pacheco, 23 snaps for uh, Jarek McKinnon, and four snaps for Clyde Edwards-Elair. Feels like the changing of the guard there. Uh, Maybe, maybe there's some sort of, hey, let's keep him healthy and keep this running back room rotating. I could see there being some truth to that. I don't think that's a horrible idea. But more than anything else, Isaiah Pacheco has run with some juice this year. He has the early fumble, and then Chiefs fans everywhere, I think that learning from the lessons of a better era with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and certainly back in the day with Kareem Hunt, Sometimes a young running back lets the ball go and then still proves to be your best option on the ground. That's still true for Isaiah Pacheco. You found, and I think the story of this game, I think there are two ways you could start, one on offense and one on defense. But you found contributors in places that you were not necessarily putting as A-list contributors coming into this game, like Kadarius Toney. And then you also had stars behave like stars. When you get Chris Jones on the other side of the football, 
I hope you can hear me smiling because I just like talking about Chris Jones. When you have one human wrecking ball on the other side of Trevor Lawrence in a game where especially early on, man, he looked bothered. Steve Spagnuolo bringing blitzes to a young quarterback who often can make mistakes in the face of the blitz. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I'll have, I'll take 10. But then you have number 95 from the interior, from the edge in obvious passing situations. And you have Chris Jones hopefully reminding everyone more than enough that not only is he one of the best defenders in this league, that he deserves to be top of the pack for defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons is going to make that really difficult to to get past him on. But Chris Jones belongs in the vote-getting portion of that conversation with still plenty of football to remain. A huge game for him where you just, you don't, I'm, I'm pulling up the box score because I couldn't tell you right now how they um, sliced up all these sacks. He ends up getting credit for one and a half sacks. I think, I think Chris Jones probably had five impactful game-wrecking types of plays. He was just making them constantly. You need him to perform like a star if he's going to, you know, have the cat pit he has and all of that, but that has never really been an issue for Chris Jones. In this case, you even have on the Colin Saunders set, Chris Jones, guess, guess what Chris Jones was doing? I was going to give you the answer, but I want you to guess first. Shout in your car to your speaker in your internal monologue on the Colin Saunders sack, what was happening to Chris Jones? He was getting double teamed because all he ever does is get double teamed or get sacks. He was creating in his own right, but Colin Saunders and the rest of that defensive line were benefiting when he wasn't creating, when he was simply demanding all of the attention that one offense could devote to him. Also, there is currently something insane happening between the Vikings and Bills where Josh Allen did start this game. And I believe the Vikings are making a drive to try to take this one from Buffalo, which maybe he did. Maybe they have. I'm not sure. I'll keep you posted on Bills Vikings as the Chiefs attempt at the one seed is sitting just on the other side of figuring out if Kirk Cousins can win you a big game. Don't hold your breath, friends. But then on the offensive side for the Chiefs today, letting Bills Vikings uh, handle their own business. To get Kadarius Toney into the mix as quickly as the Chiefs have, this is going to sound like another pat myself on the back and, you know, tearing my rotator cuff if I'm not careful, but stick with me through the baseless uh, or shameless Look how rad I was. It's beyond that. But coming into this game, I, I think I think the last player we talked about on Friday's edition of the Zone, or this one that I, last one that I talked about, was Kadarius Tony. Without McCole Hardman, and then especially after Juju Smith Schuster left that game, Marquez Valdez Scantling was in and out, but you know, obviously ended up being back. To see Kadarius Tony get involved more, I was I was asking, what will he look like on his limited touches, and how many more touches will they try to get him? But I never thought that the issue with Tony fitting in in Kansas City was going to be about his skill set or really his opportunity. Just 
when are you going to be ready to contribute to this to this offense in a meaningful way? Well, the answer was not very long. Because two carries for, well, I was going to say for 33 yards, but it was a 32-yarder and then that one that was pretty quickly snuffed out. But then in the air, four catches, 57 yards, and the touchdown, hopping down the sideline like a VeggieTales character into the end zone. The catch along the sidelines where he went up for the ball, and it's like he dropped with extra gravity. When it happened here, I said it was like it was like a Tetris piece. It was like Kadarius Tony was in the air, and then arrow key, arrow key, arrow key, you know, D-pad, D-pad, D-pad. Okay, you know where the piece wants to go? You know, in Tetris, when you hit down, it just drops faster than gravity or the physics of the game would typically allow it to do. That's what Kadarius Tony did to get his feet down on the sideline there. Also, Kirk Cousins got stuffed on a goal line sneak on fourth and goal. 27-23 Bills was the score at the time. Kirk Cousins had a sneak to win it and did not get there. It looks like Dalvin Cook maybe had a drop, uh, a tremendous, um, uh uh-oh. Oh, we're gonna let's go there live uh, here on Sports Radio 810. 29-27, Minnesota leads Buffalo with 37 seconds to go in the game. Are you kidding? That's insane. I've never seen anything like that. Before. We're listening live to Bills Vikings <laughs> here on 810. That's why I was gonna say something about his elbow. The Bills the play, fumbled the ball, backed sneak, up against their own end zone oh, on a muff man, snap. All right, we'll hang out here for a second. That's tough. Unbelievable. Disbelief. is under review. Well, we don't have to hang out Disbelief. for the review. But, oh my goodness, if you uh, crack open your Twitter timeline, or we'll keep it right here. I'm watching the replay right now on NFL Network. With 47 seconds left, the Bills had first down at the goal line, and they had to sneak it out. You're too close to the goal line. You can't take a knee there, right? So it, what it looks like is somewhere in the attempt to just get the ball out and to get out of their own end zone. Taking a safety here wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. A safety here would have made the, still kept the Bills up by two, giving the ball back to the Vikings with one timeout. It wouldn't have been great, obviously. But the worst possible thing just happened to the Buffalo Bills, which is the best possible thing to happen to the Kansas City Chiefs. This has been ruled a touchdown in Buffalo, with the Vikings having a chance to go up by three with an extra point. And is under review when that view uh, when that review comes through. We will let you know to confirm what happened there. But what a wild swing of events in Buffalo that. As things stand right now, would put the Chiefs back in sole possession of the number one seed in the AFC. Josh Allen just never got the snap. The ball goes straight to the ground. Josh Allen's nowhere near the ball by the time it all comes down. And I'm watching on the review, and it looks like a a member of the Minnesota Vikings reaches in and at least has the best angle on the ball there. Allen's not even at the bottom of the pile, which is not a good sign for the offense when things just start bouncing around. Ruled Vikings ball in the field. Being able to overturn this seems like it will be very difficult. Yeah, Josh Allen was was just trying to take the snap and and, and sneak it out of the end zone. Because again, a two-point safety there is not great for Minnesota, but certainly not a game killer. 
Well, that bears watching. Also, right now, the Titans up a touchdown on the Denver Broncos as these noon games come to an end. Chiefs game went by quickly, so you get a little extra uh, drama here from the noon games in the AFC. Touchdown, Minnesota. Timer, please reset the game clock to 41 seconds. There you have it. As long as nothing else crazy happens in the next 41 seconds, you just heard... The Minnesota Vikings beat the Buffalo Bills here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, courtesy of Sports USA with the call. And the Chiefs are back in the one seed in the AFC after an absolutely bonkers couple of noon games coming to an end right there. All right, so shout out to the Minnesota Vikings. You know, always clutch. Certainly never said anything to the contrary. Uh, 40 some seconds. For uh, Kirk Cousins to not blow it. And things will uh, be looking up for the Chiefs in the AFC. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm Joshua Briscoe, by the way. It's a Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show presented by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. We'll take some calls. We'll go out to Arrowhead and hear the pressers live from there. Um, Drake, we good to take some calls. Let me know where, where the pressers are as you get them. But in the meantime, we can get our one, two, three hitters up from the phone lines. Kicking off with Gary. Gary, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Gary? Well, Josh, after West Neck game today, you really don't know what to think. You just take the W move on. <laughs> to turn the ball over three times like that and win by double digits, that just shows you what kind of football team that you have. And if you had told me before the season started that Leo Chanel would get his first sack before George Karloftis, I would have laughed at you. But Chanel actually played a good first half today. He He was in on a couple tackles for loss. He took Trevor Lawrence down for a sack, whereas Karloftis on the pass rush looks like – he couldn't find the quarterback if he had a GPS because he's a, he just looks a step slow going after the quarterback. I don't know if that's him or just the game speed catching up with him or something, but he I don't know, he just doesn't look like he's going to be an elite pass rusher so far. But And with this coaching staff, I really don't know if he ever will be. But defensively, I like what I saw today. But to me, the, the biggest turnaround as far as a player and the guy that is – Colin Saunders is just turning into a monster. Yeah. And you put him inside next to Chris Jones, good luck. And I'm hoping that he's taking Derek now. He's playing time away. And could you find out what's up with Hilaire? Is, uh, was today just a matchup thing with him not playing as much as he did? Is he in the doghouse? But I'd like to find out about that if Alaire's in the doghouse or it's just a matchup thing. They'll hang up and listen. But like I said, and way to go, Vikings. Please don't mess this up. <laughs> Appreciate it, Gary. We'll keep an eye on Minnesota. Yeah, 41 seconds and uh, and Josh Allen getting the ball here will be uh, an interesting one. We will certainly keep our ear to the ground in Buffalo. Yeah, I understand where you're at with Karloftis. Uh, being outrun by uh, by Trevor Lawrence, even on the chase down there, is obviously not an ideal look for him. Um, but beyond that, I look at uh, at Colin Saunders as both a total success story of the development on this defensive line, as Gary points out. There haven't been a ton of them. I'm, I'm not going to fight you on that. Uh, but Saunders getting a larger and larger role. He doesn't even have to take a bunch of naughty snaps. You need dudes in the middle there. Naughty needs to continue to hopefully play a little better, maybe get a little healthier, whatever's going on with him. Because they're going to need everybody, especially with Tershawn Wharton being on IR. But yeah, Saunders, both a, a success story on this team and also a direct beneficiary of how good Chris Jones is next to him. But to, to that point, guys next to Chris Jones have not always been successful. And Colin Saunders has been on an absolute tear this year. Uh, really nice to see him becoming a, a contributor 
late in his rookie contract, contract year, I believe, for Saunders. Um, that is that is a, a maybe a late bloomer, if you will, out of a small school, a guy who dealt with injuries. Fine by me. I'm I'm really really happy to see Saunders, who is a freak athlete, by the way. Really happy to see Saunders. Um, becoming the, the the piece in this defense that he has been so far. On Clyde, I think we'll find that out. I'm sure Andy Reid will be asked about that. Uh, Adam Teicher has been on the ones and twos on the snap counts and everything all day today. Four total snaps for Clyde. Uh, I My guess is that on one level, uh, they trust McKinnon as their number one running back in passing situations. I think this is more about Isaiah Pacheco taking that more of that first and second down role. We talked about that with, with Ronald Jones and Clyde in the preseason. Ultimately, it's Pacheco and uh, and McKinnon now kind of being that running down, passing down split is sort of my guess. I don't know that it's going to be permanent that way, uh, but I will keep... I will keep an eye on that in these games going forward because I I, I don't hate it. If you're going to hand it off to one of those guys on first or second down, I'd give it to Pacheco. On third down, in pass pro, as a pass catcher, they trust McKinnon. I think they're right to. If you could only have one running back on this roster, I might still take Clyde edwards Lair weirdly. But if you're going to let me have a split of passing down, running down guys, I, I think it would be McKinnon and Pacheco respectively. I think that's where I'm at. And... Uh, even even that, maybe I would take Clyde if it's only the one guy. That might be a little bit of a projection. I don't know. I'm certainly not not hurting for it. Uh, next up, we go to the phones. We'll go to to uh, Kyle. Kyle, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHP. What's up, Kyle? Hey, thank you for taking my call, Josh. And by the way, I like to do like a little Curtis uh, intro, if you don't mind. And now for the trying to figure out the refs uh, calls, Sir Josh Briscoe. <laughs> uh, so I have three points I like to make. Okay. Uh, one is the refs. I I hate doing this, Josh. I hate doing this, but the NFL. It seems like the NFL needs to start needs to get a meeting during the off season, try to figure out what is uh, helmet to helmet and what's not. And that shot that Juju Smith Schuster took and uh, Valdez Cantley took. Yeah. Uh, I just, to me, those are like two calls that should have been called. And if we're trying to protect the players, then those need to be called. And my buddy, I have a buddy who I boxed during the game, and he described it to me, and I, and I don't have time to explain all what he said. But he kind of defended the defender a little bit because of the way Juju Smith it had to do with something with Juju Smith Juju turning his head into the defender, and that's why they picked up the flag. But again, the, the it, there needs to be some consistency with calls, and, and that's just and I don't know what is helmet to helmet and what's not anymore, and that needs to be addressed. Number two, the the defense. Uh, gosh dang, Chris Jones, Saunders. Karloftis, uh, the rookie, the other rookie getting in there, uh, Bolton, just those guys doing it all today. Again, getting to uh, Trevor Lawrence. I can't say much about that defense. That is just amazing. Uh, they're, they're getting off the ball faster. They're more faster than ever. And I've, I know I've been saying that a lot, but it's just amazing from last year to this year. Our defense is just and is just amazing. Yeah. And number And number three, is Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey? He needs to be MVP. I, I would put Mahomes. I would put Mahomes and Kelsey MVP races. Right, it, depending on what the Bills do, 
against the Vikings, but I would put Kelsey in consideration for MVP. I know that go, always goes to quarterbacks, but, man, I, I think Kelsey needs to be in that consideration. Thank you for taking my call, Josh. I'll listen off the air. Kyle, I appreciate you as always, my friend. Um, yeah, Travis Kelsey, at the very least, I think I might have even said this a few shows back, but I'd love for Travis Kelsey to at least get Offensive Player of the Year consideration um, and, frankly, win it uh, because you're right. It's, MVP is going to be quarterbacks. A Mahomes-Kelsey-MVP-OPOY combo. You know, give Chris Jones a DPOY. There's there's a real argument for all three of those guys, and I'm, I'm happy to hear. I'm going to come back to refs here in a second, but first, in Buffalo, in about 40-some seconds, the Bills picked up a bunch of yards, got a defensive pass interference call against the Vikings, and just kicked a field goal to force overtime. So Vikings-Bills goes to overtime. Uh, it does look like the uh, the Broncos will go down once more as the uh, as the Titans have uh, just a little bit of time left. In fact, that game may have actually gone over now. But... Uh, Boy, the AFC continues to just be the exact same thing that it is, which is totally, totally unhinged. And uh, so it looks like some more questions here about the NFL's review process on that last drive. You know, we're doing radio first and watching the game here second, so I'll uh, I'll let you know if anything really egregious comes up. On the, the refereeing side for the Chiefs game today, I, I would live in a world where the juju hit was obviously a penalty and the Marquez Valdez-Scantling one would not be. In that case, the way Cisco kind of launched himself, and he he did launch himself, but he launched himself like a defender with kind of his like back and shoulder. I don't know if, if that one wouldn't have happened. Oh, uh, Russell Wilson just threw a, a pick at the uh, at the goal line there, trying to make something happen on fourth down. So the the Broncos lose again; they'll be three and six. The the Titans will rise to uh, six and three. There's an update in the AFC West. The Juju, let me talk about the Juju hit for a second, and then we'll take Paul's call and, and start hearing pressers before too long, all of that, 913-3810-810, if you want to uh, line up and get a quick shot off before then. I don't like targeting rules very much. A lot of the helmet-to-helmet rules and defenseless receiver stuff has just become very difficult to parse. There's, like, the clear stuff, the letter of the law stuff, the know-it-when-you-see-it stuff, What's what's roughing to a quarterback versus what's a receiver who's defenseless? I, I tweeted today that it, it feels like every time one of those calls comes through, you run it through like 15 different passes of Google Translate, where by the end you barely have even the fragments of what your sentence was originally supposed to be. The juju hit is the whole point of the rule. And I don't know that it was malicious. I don't I don't know that it was quote unquote dirty. I I lean towards thinking it probably wasn't. Football's a really fast game, and Cisco definitely was launching himself throughout that game. If you want to say it's dirty, fine. I'm just not that heated about it. But it was definitely the direct intent and letter of the law for what a launch defenseless receiver helmet to helmet contact was. It was literally helmet to helmet. And violently. And not that this should always be how you do it, but you see Juju on the ground seized up in the fencing response that we all learned about when when Tua went down on Thursday Night Football. If you have the rule for anything, you you have it for moments like that. And frankly, I look, the only thing that the that we know the NFL will not provide us with is a clear, proper self-evaluation of their refereeing. But if I had to put money on it right now. 
I, I would bet that the pool report or the NFL at some point within the next week will say, hey, that that one on Juju should have should have stayed a, a penalty. I'm guessing one ref threw it and somebody one of the others came over and said, nope, I got a better angle on it from my view. Wasn't helmet to helmet, pick it up. And that kind of communication is important in theory, but in practice there, it, it led to what I think is objectively the wrong call. So much so that I really, again, I do think the NFL might say, hey, we, we didn't protect our player there and we, we should have. Doesn't do Juju any good. Doesn't do the Chiefs any good. But the MVS one, I'm not that worried about. Just from a, that's violent, but he at least was, seemed like he was doing his best to follow the intent of the rule. The, the Juju one was felt very very obvious to me uh let's uh let's take paul here and then we'll uh we'll get you out to arrowhead we'll take our breaks and uh, and keep things moving paul you are on sports radio 810 whb what's up paul hey great show hey uh rule of thumb is you never apologize for winning the nfl three and six teams in the nfl are dangerous they play with house money and that was evident by the outside kick over the game good call so, yeah you always got to be able to <clears throat> deal with that but i'd like to give a shout out to blip uh brett veach and his staff a lot of people were just uh, dismissed by that uh, before the trade line going out and getting uh, Tony. And it looks like he might have been on to something. So I'd really like to just uh, – we don't do a lot with the GM and those administrative guys, but uh, I think that was a good job by him. And it, it paid off dividends today. And I think it's going to be uh, well-suited for us as we make a home stretch through November and December with this athlete we got. So uh, I'll listen off air. And, uh, great show, guys. And go Chiefs. Paul, I appreciate it. Don't go anywhere just yet because I want Drake to get your uh, – or, or give uh, Drake a call back if you can because you're going to be – there's good points there and we're turning through calls. Everybody really has brought the heat so far. Uh, and in that that really I feel like we could have a number of callers of the game presented by our friends at Greengrass Cattle Company, but only one person can actually get the free beef. Uh, I, I got to tell you about Greengrass here for our caller of the game. If you want to feel like the superstar that you were on the phone lines opening up this show today, we got heat after heat after heat. Good job all across the board. Bunch of regulars playing like superstars. Chris Jones energy. I love it. Phones today have been great so far. Uh, just go to all you gotta do is go to Greengrass Cattle Company. That's the that's the key. That's the layup. That's the easy thing here because they are all locally raised right here in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway at Greengrass Cattle Company. Less than a mile from the ranch. That's their store in Weston as well. You can also order online at GreengrassCattleCo.com and they'll deliver right to your door. They've got a great operation out there. We went out and visited them before or very early on in the season, and man, it was an incredible time. We got to see how much they care for those cattle and also the product it turns into is absolutely top of the line. So thanks to Greengrass Cattle Company for being a part of the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. We will take a quick timeout. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Drake is behind the glass. We'll hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, I believe Kadarius Tony, our, our man Todd Lebo at the uh, at the uh, facilities here had us uh, the update. Kadarius Tony, Carlos Dunlap, in addition to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. We'll hear from all of them, maybe more, as we continue on here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Second down and one. Three receivers bunched left. Mahomes in the shotgun. Pacheco, the rookie running back who fumbled earlier to his right. Mahomes fakes to Pacheco, drops the throw, steps up in the pocket, lofts it over the middle. It's caught. It's a touchdown. The reception is made by Marquez Valdez Scandling, an 18-yard score. And for Valdez Scanling, believe it or not, his first touchdown reception of the season. 
Arrowhead was certainly electric at that moment with the MVS touchdown. It makes it our electric play of the game brought to you by Bickmer Electric. From small jobs to big jobs, the Bickmer team knows how to take care of your commercial and residential electric needs. That's Bickmer Electric. It was certainly a uh, a committee taking care of the electric the electrical that would be the word the electrical needs at Arrowhead as the pass catchers rotated through and uh, really shared the ball both from Patrick Mahomes and also on the ground. Although certainly Isaiah Pacheco was the uh, the leading rusher in every metric, I guess except for uh, averages because Kadarius Tony got him there. But touchdowns today for Travis Kelsey, MVS, and Kadarius Tony. In addition to my guy Noah Gray, I say my guy because I found out this week that Noah Gray has been diabetic this whole time and I didn't even know about it. Do you know that? Type 1 in his pancreas, number 1 in your hearts, number 83 on the field. Who knew? Learned that this week. Uh, but so, uh, anyway, number 1 in your pancreas notwithstanding, the Chiefs win 27-17. to Expect to hear from Andy Reid in a little while later in the show along with Patrick Mahomes. Um, looks like Kadarius Tony might be at the podium at the moment if we want to hop in on that, Drake. I don't know if we've got the, uh, the things all rolling, but it looks like Kadarius Tony is speaking right now live from Arrowhead. Let's go hear the newest member of the Chiefs. Maybe not. Okay, never mind. Um, we'll we'll bring in uh, Kadarius Tony later on as well. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll keep things rolling over here. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll keep going through the rest of the uh, the talking points of the day as we wait to get out to Arrowhead uh, again. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Kadarius Tony, Carlos Dunlap, I believe, is the uh, the plan plus. Um, some more from, well, we're going to see what else Lebo had sent as he was reporting live from the locker room. Having the uh, the locker room open again is certainly nice for all of us around here to hear from a few more people than we would typically get to hear after a game. But we will uh, we'll work on that uh, as we go. Anyway, uh, on the Kadarius Tony front, again, I know I kind of opened the show talking about this, but I was so curious to see where exactly he was going to be used early on with this offense. And then McCole Hardman missing practice all of this week meant more reps in practice for Kadarius Tony. Seemed like the Chiefs probably knew Hardman wasn't going to be able to go, so he didn't. Uh, and then Tony gets all of that work. Um, and Drake will take anything, anything you get, whatever order you get from Lebo. If we want to head out to the locker room, I'd be happy to hear from. Uh, I mean, listen, I already, I already gave the plug to Noah Gray. Trip McDuffie with a nice game today, making some plays downfield. Um, let's let's hear from McDuffie if we if we can. Drake, we can make that our our first one up from the locker rooms as uh, Lebo was out there. The rookie chief uh, defensive back making his third start of his career, obviously against Arizona, returning last week, and then back in the lineup today. Oh, the nice game. Frankly, the the Chiefs defensive backs I thought had a nice day on the outside altogether. I'll, I'll be curious to see what some of the charting looks like of of where the Jags had their success. But it seemed like for a huge portion of the game, uh, the, the the Chiefs had very little to to push back against from those receivers. Even though the Joneses uh, keeping up with the Joneses, perhaps I'm not sure. Uh, even though the Joneses certainly had their uh, their moments, it seemed like most of those things came out of the slot and the corners on the edges specifically. McDuffie and, and really Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, uh, Legarius Sneed in the slot had a, had a couple of instances where he was he got burnt on that touchdown, the late touchdown to uh, to, to Christian Kirk. So seeing how the secondary gels after they you know traded Rashad Fenton away for a conditional seventh round pick, a lot of young guys there, but so far they're playing pretty well. Also playing pretty well right now, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson has gotten the Vikings 
inside of the two-yard line. I'll tell you, I know I'm throwing you curveballs, Drake, but if you want to hear the the next snap of Buffalo and Minnesota to see if the Vikings can win this game and uh, hand the AFC back to the Chiefs in the one seed there, uh, looks like they're lining up first and goal. Second down and goal upcoming from the five after the loss of three. Minnesota wins the game with a touchdown and moves their winning streak to seven in a row. Cousins in the shotgun with Cook to his right. Three on the play clock. Cousins takes the snap as it hits zero. Back to throw. Cousins hit. Cousins is sacked. Cousins sacked back at the 17. Ed Oliver. Great play again by this Buffalo Bills defense getting the sack in the red zone. It's a highly improbable situation for the Vikings offense to score right here. It's going to be a, I mean, we've seen a lot of miraculous plays this game, so it wouldn't surprise me to see something <laughs> crazy right here, but huge play by the Buffalo Bills defense. Third and long has been a bugaboo for this Bills defense. We've seen it today plenty. They gave Cousins forward progress to the 15. Five on the play clock. Cousins in the shotgun. Third and goal at the 15. A touchdown wins it. Cousins to throw. Cousins throws. Middle. End zone. Nobody there for the Vikings. Incomplete. All right. We'll keep an eye on it to see if the Vikings take their field goal here. But they got inside the two-yard line. And then a negative rushing play, a sack of Kirk Cousins, and then that, what you just heard here, courtesy of Sports USA on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Wow, a, uh, a barn burner there as the Vikings keep moving the wrong direction in the red zone. They will uh, attempt their field goal you know, if they hit it, and the Bills will be able to uh, kick a field goal to keep the game going or score a touchdown to end it. Uh, but Kevin O'Connell looking absolutely furious on the sideline as Josh Allen, who is questionable entering this game with his elbow injury. He shrugs off the uh, the overcoat like a superhero and uh, begins to walk up towards the field. So the kick is good in Minnesota, 33-30, to and uh, the Bills will have a chance to go win it with a touchdown or keep the game alive with a field goal. The Vikings win the game with a stop. Wow, okay. A lot happening here. The noon games really do give you some more things to keep an eye on as the day goes on on an NFL Sunday. But we'll go back to Arrowhead now to hear from Trip McDuffie, the rookie cornerback. Had a nice game today with some uh, some decent tests from Jacksonville, but had a couple of great plays as his NFL career gets going. Here's Trip McDuffie. Being to go out there with people like that gives you so much more confidence during the game. It's your second game. Yeah. Back really from the first game when you got injured. Still, where do things you need to improve upon as you, as you start looking through things uh, yeah. as you progress? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely just getting back into the things, getting comfortable again. Um, as far as just technique-wise, I mean, obviously just the speed of the game, just slowing things down for me, I think is the big thing. Not letting the emotions take over and all the excitement kind of just settling in and just knowing that this is what I do, it's what I'm paid for, so let's just relax and do our job. When a game start, when a team starts with an onside kick like they did, what does that tell you about kind of the game that you guys are going to be? I mean, yeah, we knew it was going to be a dog battle. When a team comes straight out the gate with the onside, you know they're going to do every trick in the book they can. So it really just pulled us back, told us, okay, we got to settle down. They're going to throw everything at us. So let's just play with our good keys, good eyes, and let's just let the game come to us. Seems like you guys have developed a pattern of keeping everything in front of you. You kind of that bend but don't break the defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just Coach Bags and a great defense that he has brought together and I think that also is just good coaching I mean throughout the week we knew what they were going to do and I feel like the coaches really hammered in on a few specific things that we were going to get and I feel like we did a good job at making sure we limited those things that we had to do and just play with the rest 
Did you guys get a lift from the, I mean, it's a 17-play drive to start the second half, but they only got three. Yeah. Did that help you guys a little bit? I mean, that's kind of that been the don't break? Yeah, I mean, in the game, I mean, it felt long. So now yeah. knowing that it's 17, that's crazy. Nine, but nine minutes, 14 seconds, 17 Yeah, plays. they definitely took it all. But I feel like that just goes to show just this attitude defense, you know, just this, this tenacity and just no matter what happens, like, we're not going to let them in the end zone. And I feel like that drive really showed it that – it took them 17 plays just to come out with three points. I feel like that was huge just overall of who our defense is. I think he's right. That is a uh, a pretty good quote there from McDuffie. For that defense to hang in there for a, play, a, a drive that took almost 10 minutes, what did Levo say, 17 plays, nine minutes in some seconds, uh, all of that ending for three points for the uh, for the Jags. Yeah, 9-14 on the 17-play drive. All of that to cover 58 yards, by the way. And that is the beginning of our locker room report right here on the Sports Radio 810 WHP Postgame Show. The Chiefs Locker Room Report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. Next up, we'll go back into the locker rooms to hear from Chiefs tight end Noah Gray. A touchdown catch for him, a big catch to keep the chains moving last week. Also, I'll keep you updated on Bills Vikings, where Josh Allen just ran for like 30 yards to move the the Bills down the field with a few minutes remaining in that game. Obviously, all of us here in Kansas City should be rooting for uh, for Minnesota right here as the Bills approach midfield. Uh, to go get a field goal that would tie the game or a touchdown that would win it. We'll keep you posted there, but in the meantime, here is Chiefs tight end Noah Gray. Tried to really test you guys physically early. Yeah, I mean, we knew that Jaguars were good, you know, good secondary, good linebackers, and, you know, they came out there and, you know, they were working on us. So we just got to, you know, deep dig down and grind against a team like that, um, you know, and we got the win, so that's all that matters. When they start off with an onside kick like they did, what's that tell you about kind of the game that's going to be in store for the day? Yeah, no, I mean, great play calling, you know, their part. We just got to sit in there and, you know, see that on special teams. When you see a couple of scary hits on your teammates like that, just how do you guys bounce back and make sure it doesn't keep you down? Oh, we just got to pick each other up, you know, and just got to go out there and play football, you know, obviously within the confines of the rules and, you know, we just got to do what we got to do to be the best teammate that we can for those guys. It's like preparing for this game this week. I think a lot of fans were like, oh, it's the Jags coming in. But you guys were certainly focused because they played some really hard games this week. Uh, did, did they do anything that surprised you at all? Um, no, no. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they came out with a really good game plan and they did a good job on defense showing us different looks. So, um, you know, we came out here and our, usually in practice our defense shows us every look possible. So it's, uh, it's very good that we have that and good practice habits. Take me through your touchdown. What did you guys see on that play? Yeah, no, um, they just safety and cornerback collected with Kel, so I was just running a go route, and Pat made a great, great pass, and our offense line did a great job blocking. Pretty easy when, like, you're sitting there and the ball's up there for a while. Seems like it takes forever to get down to you on those plays. Uh, yeah, sometimes, especially when you're, you're wide open. You kind of just wish the ball would just stick to your hands right then and there and just get to you. Were you guys paying attention to this Bills game? Got Harry here. Are you guys watching that here in the end? They, I think they might have lost the Vikings. Did you see that? No, I have no idea. I, I don't know exactly what happened. They. Well, here's the funny thing, Lebo and Noah Gray. We don't know yet either. Lebo sent us that audio about 20 minutes ago. 
And that game is still going on. They're in a commercial break right now. Uh, so it looks like the, uh, the Josh Allen, by the way, literally while we were playing Noah Gray there, um, two long runs to move the Bills into uh, – into field goal range, so they're they're certainly going to have a chance to win it. Uh, let's let's join them back in again. Then one more time, Sports USA with overtime of Bills Vikings. Here, great play call right there, running the slip screen to Stephon Diggs on second and short. Gets a few extra yards past the first down. Now they're in the red zone. First and ten from the twenty. Devin Singletary, the running back, he's off the right hip of Allen in the shotgun. Two receivers right, Diggs lined up slot left. Snap to Allen, he drops the throw, he looks left, he pumps, now he throws left side, end zone for Knox! And he did not come down with it. It was broken up at the last second by Duke Shelley, a reserve corner, and now it's second and ten. I'm pretty sure Duke Shelley's only been in the game for two plays. They're going to go right at him, it's a huge breakup against Dawson Knox. And after being sucked into the game at this point in overtime, that's a huge play right there. Second and 10 from the 20. 119 to go in overtime. Two timeouts for the Bills. Won't matter much, though. They're down 33-30. Allen takes the shotgun snap. He wants to throw. He fires middle towards the end zone. It's picked off by Patrick Peterson at the goal line. And the Vikings win. Second interception of the game in the red zone for Josh Allen. The second to Patrick Peterson. And Minnesota improbably comes all the way back. And they win in overtime, 33-30. to You hear it live right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City, courtesy of Sports USA. Your Kansas City Chiefs right now have returned to the spot they've been so familiar with for so much of the Patrick Mahomes era. The Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. Woo! Catch your breath, everybody. Hey, you know what? Honorary Chief Patrick Peterson right there with the clutch pick. Honorary member of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's over in Buffalo. The Vikings are victorious. The Chiefs can celebrate. Obviously, a lot of football remaining. No Week 17 stuff here just yet. Week 18, I suppose. Uh, a lot, a lot of football left in this American football conference. But as things stand right now, the Chiefs are up in the AFC. We are up uh, with time here this segment on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. It's brought to you by CBD American Shaman. When Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team score is your percent off. They scored 27 points today, so you get 27% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more. That's CBD American Shaman, where life is better with the feather. We'll take a break, come back here from... And Kadarius Tony, Carlos Dunlap, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. We got Matt Derrick later in the show. A lot more to give you as the Chiefs are victorious against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Vikings just do the Chiefs one more favor to put KC back in the number one seed in the AFC. Mahomes out of the shotgun, all day to throw, fires left, Touch. wide open, and a touchdown for Noah Gray, the backup tight end with his first touchdown of the year. 
Noah Gray has really gotten a nice role for himself in this Chiefs offense, and that right there is our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank. For more, visit them online at centralbank.net. We just heard from Noah Gray in the locker room. You just heard, yes, your ears did not deceive you. The Chiefs and Bills both went up 27-10 to in their respective games. The Chiefs won their game 27-17, to and the Buffalo Bills just lost in overtime to the Minnesota Vikings in Buffalo to fall uh, not just to the two-seed for Buffalo, by the way. There is a different team currently standing alone at the top of the AFC East. No, it's not the Patriots like it was for roughly 15 bleeping years. No. It's not the Buffalo Bills who have the superhuman quarterback. It's the Miami Dolphins at 7-3. They got one more game played now, obviously. Uh, actually, just one more game played. And then maybe they haven't hit their bye yet, I suppose. Uh, they got one more game played at 7-3 and than the Bills at 6-3. and But the Dolphins are 7-3. and The Jets are 6-3. and With a head-to-head victory over the 6-3 and Buffalo Bills. Right now... I think the Bills would be the second AFC wild card. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's your six-seed Buffalo Bills right now. Holy bleep, life comes at you fast. Uh, as of right now, the Chiefs would hold the one seed, the Dolphins the two seed, and uh, oh man, you want to think ahead there a little bit. You want to just get way too far down the line. I know we're talking about Chiefs-Jags. I, I know. But a Chiefs... Tyreek Hill returning to Arrowhead AFC Championship game. Could I interest you in that? Plus Miami to Kansas City in uh, in January. That feels all right weather-wise. A lot of football to be played before any of that. But I just looked at the standings and it made me think. Also right now, as the league stands, the Chargers, Patriots, Bengals would be the first teams out of the playoff picture. And for all the talk of the AFC West this offseason, the Chiefs would be the only AFC West team in the playoffs uh, if the season ended today. But of course, it does not. The uh, the Bills fall to Minnesota. The Chiefs victorious over Jacksonville. Uh, where are we at in the audio world, Drake? Who do we uh, who do we have at our disposal? I'd like to hear from Kadarius Tony. I, I think uh, Carlos Dunlap should be speaking shortly. If uh, if he uh, hasn't I believe yet. Dylan is putting the finishing touches on that stuff right now. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll join in on Kadarius Tony uh, momentarily, I suppose, as uh, the AFC is just in. Just in total disarray in a beautiful, beautiful sense. Aaron Ladd just tweeted, Bills lose, which impacts the AFC playoff picture. This tweet is specifically for at JB Briscoe. Thank you, Aaron. I wasn't sure yet. I hadn't looked. I'd like for more people to end their uh, tweet threads with this tweet specifically for at JB Briscoe. I, I think I could... Uh, I could benefit from that, just so I don't miss anything that way. Uh, I am at Jamie Briscoe on Twitter. My name's Joshua Briscoe. The Drake is running around and uh, flipping switches, pushing buttons, and making magic happen. Dylan Michaels doing a lot of the production behind the scenes as well. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day, uh, which you can uh, go enjoy your local CBD American Shaman. Appreciate them for being around as always. Uh, we'll, we'll pivot back out to the the, uh, the podiums momentarily, but I did want to spend some more time on the uh, the Chiefs' offensive line in particular. When you have this unit that has reasonably and, and sometimes fairly caught in as much grief as they have uh, over the, the, really the season to this point, 
not only did Orlando Brown Jr. neutralize Josh Allen throughout this game, I think Allen's sack came uh, when when Mahomes had fully climbed the pocket. Actually, it wasn't even technically a sack. It was a one-yard gain. Josh Allen got to Mahomes that one time as uh, as Mahomes stepped up through the pocket, and then Allen kind of disengaged with Beckham. and or with, with Beckham. I do that with OBJ all the time. This is what I get for calling him OBJ. The uh, Allen uh, uh, separated from, from Brown and then turned back around and, and, and brought Mahomes down. But outside of that, Josh Allen, who was the apple of so many Chiefs fans' eyes two weeks ago, just before the trade deadline, when there was also a whole lot going on around if Orlando Brown Jr. knew how to play football anymore. Ultimately, today, Brown comes out and totally neutralizes Josh Allen through the vast majority of this game. And I just think that probably puts some Chiefs fans in some interesting places. You know, is it, hey, did the Chiefs make uh, make the right choice by not acquiring Josh Allen? Like, maybe he's gotten he just a little bit too much hype. If you don't see every game that happens with most players on other teams, you don't see the low lights, you see the highlights, and you get excited. And for players on your own teams, this is what happens with Brown, you don't see the, all the highlights and because you, you are watching every snap, and so you recognize whenever Orlando Brown gets beat, which, of course, he's gotten beat some this year. But ultimately, I wanted to put the spotlight on that matchup today because just about every time I checked in to see how Allen versus Brown was doing, Brown got the better of him. Even and maybe even especially in instances where where Allen, who is a you know a, a quick limber dude for for an edge rusher, Brown was able to to move him around the back of the of the pocket pretty frequently. He he was winning the strength battle in that game, and and Allen wasn't wasn't able to win frequently enough with quickness. He certainly wasn't winning with power. And you give that to Orlando Brown. I just I want to give the uh, the gold star to him today as uh, another matchup that was victorious for the Chiefs. But on the other side of the offensive line, might have even been more impressive because Andrew Wiley left this game. Right around the same time that Juju did, I think, uh, relatively early in the proceedings, and Prince Tego Wanogo came in. You might not have even noticed that if you were watching the broadcast and, and not on Twitter and everything, because I'm, I'm pretty confident that they never actually mentioned that, that Wiley was later ruled out with his elbow injury. Uh, they did mention the broadcast, perhaps I just missed it. But regardless, Tango Wanago comes in, and I'm guessing the Chiefs gave him a little bit of help, but again, at the times that I sort of checked in over there to see how he was doing alone on the right side, he was holding his own. One time, Mahomes even went over and kind of gave him a, a different one-on-one set where Mahomes sprinted out right pretty early on from Wanogo, uh, Tega Wanogo getting into the game. And I was at first kind of confused. And then I realized, oh, well, Mahomes is going over that direction because now the pass rusher on Prince's side, as we're going to start calling him from now on, uh, didn't know where 15 was going to be. He had probably had to change his attack angle, trying to beat him onto the inside. Well, now Mahomes is sort of just right behind him over here and makes that challenge a little more difficult. The Chiefs are good at... at trying to create some help for their O-lines. They, they put on a master class of that, especially against the 49ers. Interested to see how that will hold if the Chiefs have to be without uh, without Wiley next week. Certainly also, Juju Smith-Schuster looked like he shouldn't play soon. Maybe it's a couple of weeks, but it would be hard to imagine Juju being out there next week in primetime against the, the Chargers. And That game's going to be fascinating, but we have a whole week to look ahead to that. Once more, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show uh, on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Carlos Dunlap, live at the podium from Arrowhead. In between the railroad tracks when I got off the tracks, um, to be the person that I am today, to be able to have the opportunity to 
get 100 sacks because, you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity in my neighborhood and where I'm from, and a lot of people who still make it to the league still don't get to get that opportunity. So this is a huge milestone and a tribute to my coaches, my family, my teammates, my community. Um, this is a celebration and a milestone for all of us. Um, but obviously, you know, if you know me personally, you know I'm not done yet, and there's a lot more things that I want to accomplish, but we're going to enjoy this 100 mark. You said it was. You said it was a earlier in the season. You said it was a tribute. Made a promise to your dad. Yes. What, what, what does that mean? Uh, it's it's a huge weight lifted um, to be able to get that accomplished. You know, it's bittersweet in the fashion of how it happened, and you know, but you know, we want to enjoy it. Um, it's something to be celebrated. My dad would be happy for me. My family's happy for me. So you know, we want to enjoy it and celebrate the moment right versus any other feelings you know it's a lot of feelings of course but um the best thing to do i think is to celebrate it to enjoy it be present in the moment um and it was special having all my teammates rush me when they put it up on the board um and yeah now we now we're going on pressing forward trying to make more history because there's a couple more milestones that could be um attained out there and we have a very special team as you saw today um, clean up some things, and we're gonna get after those too. On the play itself, Carlos, what worked? Yeah, that's funny. My first sack actually, I believe, happened on the exact same move, um, except it was a completely different guy. But this quarterback has a lot of potential too. Uh, my first sack was on Peyton Manning, um, but uh, this guy, obviously, the sky's the limit for him. They drafted him as a first-round pick. They're putting weapons around him, getting you know the coaching going. Uh, you know, it's tough to build a culture. So those teams, that team is developing something, and they have core pieces that they have to build around and gain experience for. But, you know, today we got the win. Um, I got the 100 mark. So we want to celebrate that and continue to build on those pillars and um, win the month of November so that we can focus on winning December and then keep pressing forward from there. Carlos, uh, are the quarterbacks out there you haven't sacked yet you want to get still? Uh, yeah. Yes, I got Brady as a as a Patriot, which is huge um, one that's on my sack list. Getting him as a Patriot, you know, because um, he's with a new team now. But getting him as a Patriot and everything he was able to accomplish, getting Peyton Manning when he was with the Colts, you know, um, those are all milestones. There was one guy who I didn't get that got out of the league before I got to him, um, you know, Michael Vick. Uh, got him in the preseason, so it doesn't count. But, um, you know, things like that I reflect on. You know, once I'm done playing football, but I'm not done yet, so don't want to do too much reflecting, but I do want to be present in the moment of this 100. Yep. You haven't gotten Pat yet? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't really, I don't know if I got, I've gotten the quarterback for the Chiefs, but I don't know if I got Pat. That's a good question because I coming here in this stadium, it was kind of new to me because I hadn't been here that often, but the last time I was here, we went to the Boys and Girls Club here in KC, and uh, I was doing my anti-bullying campaign tour. So me and my mom reflected on that moment. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's a good question. Carlos, the, the day you signed, you, you listed your goals, and this was one of them. And you also mentioned winning a playoff game. How much did you, exactly? See, you look forward to see, that. I didn't want to bring that back up because I wanted to enjoy the 100. But obviously, you know, winning the month of November 
then focusing on winning December, you know, I got a narrow, narrow focus. So I like to focus on the next. Like my, my mom be texting me saying, oh, I'm coming to this game. I'm like, what week is that? Like, you know, I don't know. Like my next game is this opponent right here, you know. So I, that's what I like to do. I have, to, I have that narrow focus, focus on this next step. And along the way, if I make all the steps that I need to take and handle my business along the way, I think I'll eclipse all these goals that I set out to do early in the season. You know, early in the season when you first get there, you have all these big dreams and aspirations, and um, if you start looking down the road, you'll trip over that step. I don't know if you've been in your house walking in the dark and you're looking at the bottom of the steps, and you know, you know, thankfully you're still here, but <laughs> your butt hurt, you know. And I don't want to be butt hurt, so I focus in on winning the one, that one drive, that one play, that one down, that one series, that one yard, getting one sack, getting 100 from there, and now we're going to focus on the next, and that will be. A, a huge accomplishment, but we got a, we got a um, Monday Sunday night football game because they flexed our game. So we want to go and get that done, and so we continue to get the one thing that we need to get the next one thing that we need. So, Carlos, let's go back with Chris Jones and you know how that's worked out so far. Yes. On that play, and then yeah. just talk me through that play. Chris Jones be like, oh, man, I got to get this one, man. I got to get this one. Do you have it in the back of your head or anything? Anytime the coach, you know, gets us one-on-ones, you got rushers like me, Chris, um, Mike, Frank's coming back next week. George is coming on hot. I know he's anxious to get, you know, more on his board as well. Um, I think, you know, opportunity. You know, when preparation meets opportunity, that's what people call it good luck. But um, I think – there's no luck. It's really when preparation meets opportunity. We prepare hard here. We were ready for the game. Now it's just executing and um, being out there with those guys, getting in rhythm with those guys, which we're still trying to establish, will, I think, give us that one thing that he was talking about that we want later. But right now we're going to focus on this next one win that we want. Last two, we'll go Adam and Nate. What does 100 say about you as a player? Um, I think it goes to to my routine, my family, my community my faith, my commitment, um, the time that I've invested into it, you know, you know, coming in, you know, yeah, I'm not going to go down that line because I want to be a positive, so I'm not going to say all that, but yeah, um, it's just a contribute to my success, my investment, my commitment, my family support, my community support, my coaches, um, my teams, because now it's three teams that I've been with that um, been able to get sacks and do numbers with, so um, just being present in the moment. Young Patrick, 2018, yeah, yeah. Young Patrick, yeah. Um, when you when you made the decision to sign here, how much of what's going on right now? Your tendencies, has been your expectation exceeded? Uh, the word expectation, I don't know how I feel about. Yeah, um, it's. It's even better than you could have dreamed of, thought of, and or anticipated because there's a million different things that can happen. Um, you know, guys walk on the field, think they're going to have a great day, and, you know, somebody might get dinked up, might get hurt, and, you know, all these different things, all these different variables in the game of football. It's an oval. It can bounce any way at any given time. So, you know, regardless of what it looks like and you sign up for on paper, things can change, so you got to go out there and execute it and hedge your bet in the best way, put yourself in position, seize those opportunities, all those things are what it takes to get to that 100 mark, to get to what these guys have done, winning a Super Bowl, um, but you know, winning a division multiple times. Those are all things that, you know, 
these guys know how to do, they know how to put the work in, and they focus on the one. And they narrow in on that focus. They don't, they don't look down the road. You know, they don't beat their chest about what they've done in the past because, you know, every year is a new year. And like I said, the ball's in the oval. It can bounce anyway. Appreciate you. Thank you. There's Carlos Dunlap, 100 sacks. You heard him talk about what that means for him. He talked about that in his introductory press conference even, um, joining the Chiefs back in the day. It was a a real marker he had based off a promise he made to his dad, who he lost not very long ago. Um, Saw this tweet from Haley Lewis, who's out there in Arrowhead. Uh, She just tweeted out a picture sitting behind Carlos Dunlap's mom, who was uh, in the the press room there watching uh, Dunlap talk after getting those 100 sacks. Haley says, only 41 NFL players have ever joined that 100-sack club, and Carlos Dunlap did it right there. Uh, we will take a, uh, a quick break here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. You already know the deal. When Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team's score is your percent off. They scored 27 points today, so you get 27% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more. That's the CBD American Shaman, because life is better with the feather. Zolaire splits out wide right, three receivers wide left. Mahomes, empty backfield, takes the snap out of the shotgun. Looking, firing, Kelsey at the goal line. It's a touchdown for Kansas City. A seven-yard score to Travis Kelsey. His eighth of the year in the Chiefs' lead, yeah. 26-10. Yeah, that's like Stillen, right? They were able to break the formation, caught Jacksonville in the heavy rotation, got the rookie out, and he jammed and forgot that he's responsible for the sit-down route in cover two. He, he, he set on the wrong man, and, um, you know, he's getting a wealth of experience because um, they're emptying the kitchen drawer out here in Kansas City. I mean, I guess that's one way to put it. You're a young defender. You might as well get some in-game experience against Kansas City. That is our sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Stop by any KC location for Travis Kelsey's 87 and running concrete and help raise money for this worthy cause. 87 and running and Andy's Frozen Custard, the perfect option play for KC fans everywhere. The Chiefs offense did what I asked them to do. Not because I asked them to do it, but just one of the things I was looking for in this game today, which was can you please make some offensive football look easy again? That's something the Chiefs haven't been able to do very consistently as of late. And uh, the, the, the Chiefs in this game are able to make things a little smoother, especially back there in that first half. A lot of it had to do with Kadarius Toney. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the running game having at least a little bit of... Uh, Momentum is not the word I really want to use, but just a little bit of success, frankly. Um, Eric Bieniemy talked last week about how oh, we got to run the, you know, it's like a hammer. You're hammering the concrete. You're not going to break the concrete on your first or second string. Well, the only uh, running back handoffs, the true running plays of this game, there were 18 of them. Last week was not a lot more than that, but the production was a lot more than that because Isaiah Pacheco was uh, was successful. Uh, on the ground and ultimately just being able to work easy stuff to Juju like they were late in the game uh, against the Titans and briefly were able to do in this game before he left with the injury was looking great those things coming back especially against the Chargers next week is going to be really really important We'll, we'll uh, go ahead and also hear from the Jag side. We'll also be joined by our friend Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, and we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Kadarius Tony still to come on today's show as well. But we'll start with the Jags head coach, is obviously a former Kansas City Chiefs assistant, a former Andy Reid disciple. He uh, He's had seen some good moments in Jacksonville, but today was not necessarily one of them. And as always, our opposing coach press conference brought to you by Metcalf Carstar. 
Yeah, um, great player. You know, uh, does a great job outside the pocket, and that's that's where a lot of the big plays come from. You know, and it's it's hard to um, it's hard to defend. You know, uh, you just you got to play snap to whistle, and and he does a, he does he's probably one of the best in football at it. Trevor's performance today, obviously, you like to have more points, but what did you make of it overall? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll look at the film, you know, on the way back, but I thought. I mean, I thought he, he played well, had great poise, you know. Um, I know there's some, some pressure in the first half that we eliminated in the second half, and he, he played, he played tough, played, had some big moments out there and made some big big throws, and, you know, and he just, just keeps showing improvement each week, and, and that's what we can add, all we can ask for, and, um, <clears throat> you know, just his growth and development, and it's just, it's just uh, you know, I think as a, as a team today, it was just a game of missed opportunity. Struggled to, to run the football during most of the game. Was that something the Chiefs did, or you know, was it just a matter of you guys not able to execute certain plays? Or? I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of them, and, and obviously a little bit of us. And you know, we got to pride ourselves a little bit more on you know running the ball and kind of controlling it a little bit. But you know, they did a nice job of, of, of just kind of controlling the line of scrimmage at times. And um, you know, but it's something we're gonna we're, we got we got to do. You know, we got to clean it up. Obviously, uh, we get time now this week to, to look at some stuff and and uh, you know get ready for the, the back half of this year. Doug, was uh, Devin Lloyd injured, or was the decision just made to put Chad in there more in the second half? Yeah, there was no injury. We just needed to get Chad in the game. Was uh, the plan always to do an onside kick to start if you had that opportunity? Or was that something? I wasn't telling you on Wednesday that I was going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just, you know, there's there's things that you'd look at, and, and Heath and, and Luke do a great job of, you know, um, studying the opponents, right? And anytime you can take an advantage of, of an opportunity, we're going to try to do that, and especially against a really good football team. You know, you hope that by stealing that possession right there, you go down and get, get three or seven, right? And and uh, you know, take take a little sting out of the out of out of the game a little bit, maybe out of the crowd. But it's unfortunate we, we got stopped on that first possession, and you know we had opportunities; they were there. We just didn't didn't capitalize. But uh, you know, as the week went on, uh, yeah, I just got more comfortable at, at uh, taking the onside if it was there. Three, three plus three turnover, onside kick recover. We kind of did some of those intangible things that generally happen. And I think it was only seven points, maybe off all that. I think, and that's 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 the game. You know, that's the game for me. You know, it comes down to missed opportunities, and it's it's a learning it's a learning opportunity. You know, for our football team that uh, you know you can you create the takeaways. You get a great play on special teams, and really special teams kind of kept us in. I mean, the return game was was outstanding today, and uh, I think we even had a turnover on special teams and. Um, you know, we just we, we've got to score more. You know, we got to score more points off of those uh, off of those takeaways. Talk about the hard hitting. There was a couple of plays that they even threw a penalty flag on one on a rough in the passer who pulled it back. Is that the type of defense that you're wanting to coach? Hit them hard and take right on the edge. I mean, you you want our you want your guys to play aggressive and play physical and play within the rules. I mean, that's that's what we got to do, but. You don't ever want to take the physicality away from anybody, you know, offense, defense, special teams, and you know we're gonna we're gonna play. And, and this is a game, too, where you know you have to play snap to whistle, and and um, 
you know, we'll take a look at everything, you know, this week and, and uh, uh, you know, just uh, and see, see where we're at on some of those plays. But, you know, uh, you never want to obviously hurt anybody, you know, put anybody in harm's way. Um, but again, at the same time, you, you want to keep you want to keep the aggressiveness and the physicality of the game. Is there anything mechanically wrong with the, the field goals that Riley missed? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'll take a look at it. But uh, just just missed two two kicks, um, you know, and obviously can't can't do it. Not can't give up points, right? These are the missed opportunities that we're talking about. Were there um, miscommunication issues on defense? I mean, I think all four touchdowns wide open. Guys not getting in the right spots, not communicating, or, or what, what, what do you make of that? Again, I think it has to come down to just watching the film and, and really making a, um, you know, a, a, a better, give you a better answer. Quite honestly, um, until until I look at that and look at it and and, uh, and see exactly what happened. What do you, what, what your message to these guys after a Um, you know, biggest thing you look at it, you know, just like I'm saying here, you know, the missed opportunities, right? And when you get, when you play great football teams, and and the Chiefs are one of those great football teams, well coached. You you've got to capitalize. You know, um, I know they pride themselves on taking care of the football. You know, um, and and when you can create those opportunities as a team. We have got to take advantage of that, and we didn't do it as a football team today. And so that's really the, the message, you know, and, it, and it's about missed opportunities. But I, I will say this, I mean, it's you know, it's not for lack of effort or, you know, anything like that at all. Um, and, you know, we've played 10 straight weeks now. And, and so, um, you know, the team, the team needs a break at this time. It's a good time for it uh, to, to kind of step away and, and I told them to, to, to kind of regroup and, and really think about the first 10. But more importantly, I want to think about the next back half of this, you know, or third of this season and and really focus on that. And, and, and I still think and I believe that our goals are still in front of us. You know, um, yeah, we made it a little bit harder today. But I think if we continue to improve, um, you know, anything's possible moving forward. Okay, thanks, Coach. There's Doug Peterson live here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, certainly went for some wonky things early in the game, the onside kick. Some success moving the ball. I think the biggest misstep of Doug Peterson's day um, is some of the fourth down situations that he was making earlier in the game. Look, I don't want to make every single game a, a referendum on the use of analytics or how you uh, become aggressive or turtle up over the course of an NFL game. In this case, it's not even super about the analytics. It's just like, hey, man, are you paying attention to what's in front of you? They uh, had, let me find the the drives here for you. Fourth and two from the KC 44 on their second defensive drive of the game. Look, man, at that point, it, it was 0-0. Their, their first drive ended with a George Carlisle off this bat had passed. I meant to mention that earlier when we were talking about him not looking super limber out there. Um, that, that pass did end the drive. Like That would have been, that was just as good as a sack there. Different thing, though. I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing. But then the uh, the Chiefs give it back in the red zone after Pacheco's fumble. Bounce back and had a nice game after that. And then that next drive, you get the the run, to the sort of Trevor Lawrence roll out to the right, but clearly looking to run. Totally blown up by Chris Jones. Willie Gay comes in and cleans it up. A really nice play all around. But it's look at the yard. They're on fourth and two from the 44. 
punting there ends up going into the end zone because Chris LeMond makes a nice play. to uh, The Jag player touched it, and so he goes into the end zone with the ball, and uh, they get the ball back out on the touchback. They picked up 20-some yards on that punt. You have a chance to keep the football. I, I don't remember who tweeted this out first or where I saw it today, but start thinking about punts as turnovers from now on. When you, when you think about turnovers and takeaways, go ahead and include punts in that. Now, it's not the the total swing of obviously of a you know a fumble on second and whatever it was on our first and goal in the red zone. I guess it was just first down in the red zone. That Pacheco fumble is a real giveaway. I mean that one that feels like a backbreaker. But punting the ball is still you going. All right, well we're done here. I guess the other team gets the ball now. And if you're either going to if your options are to either give the ball away in Chiefs territory. If you don't convert a, a two-yard gain, or you just give it to them voluntarily 20 yards downfield with with no other options, maybe this is the Jim Irsay effect, and maybe maybe Doug Peterson's got got gun shy on the aggressiveness. I, I don't. I really don't know what what the issue is there. But some of these are just like really basic know-your-opponent sort of plays. You start the game with an onside kick. So much riskier, even with the element of surprise. So much riskier than just a quarterback you believe in and an offense that figured it out going for it for fourth and two like five game minutes later. That's really confusing to me. And, and Peterson, I think, had a couple of those missteps. Um, some that would have been like you could have been aggressive and gone for it, you know, fourth and four. Uh, before Tony scooped it up deep in the Chiefs on territory, I can't remember where that yard line was. It it could have been worse, but it wasn't. No, that no, I'm sorry. That was that could not have been worse. That was fourth and a half yard. That one couldn't have been worse. That was the that was the worst of them. And those are gifts. I mean, if another team's going to give you those, I'm not saying the Chiefs should apologize for it. I'm saying Doug Peterson should apologize for it. Really giving his take, taking a chance for his team to to turn the math. And I I'm even willing to acknowledge that if you're the better team playing it a little more safely. There's at least a logic to that. You're the Jags. Your, your season is not about playoff spots at this point. It's about building something. Go try to win a game by being a little, just, a, just the tiniest bit aggressive on fourth and two and fourth and half a yard. That one is um, pretty borderline inexplicable to me. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm confused by that one, and I find I find Doug Peterson's timidity there extremely extremely frustrating. If I was a Jags fan, it would be infuriating. But but I digress. I think we had the chance to put the spotlight on the uh, the appropriate number of players so far. We had a caller earlier mention that Leo Chanel did have a nice uh, a nice stretch, especially early in the first half. Saw Darius Harris out there a lot. I continue to have my questions about how the Chiefs linebacker rotation works in an ideal world. I'll have to check on the snap counts and all of that later on uh, to see kind of how those guys ended up finding their roles. But ultimately, pretty good stuff uh, from the group of young linebackers. And really, overall, a Chiefs defense that I thought I thought asserted themselves well, if not perfectly in this game, a ton of the game-wrecking stuff just came straight from number 95. And that counts just as much as it does from anybody else. In fact, it might count more because having one of those dominant guys that totally changes the math for somebody else, hugely, hugely, hugely important. But 
to have other guys step up in certain moments, to have young corners, especially on the edges. Again, the slot was an issue today. But to have some of those young corners just living in the pockets of the Joneses, being both uh, Marvin and Zay, being the Chiefs' rookie corners, being McDuffie and Williams and um, and Watson, it is a uh, it is a uh, a good a good performance all around from the Chiefs' defense that is uh, centered around um, an absolute gem of a performance from Chris Jones. All right, good news, everybody. We're about to hear from Big Red, the uh, the head of the Kansas City Chiefs. And as always, the head coach press conference is brought to you by Robert Brogdon Buick GMC and Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. We'll start where Andy Reid started with his opening statement and an injury update. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Lamonds, and Andrew Wiley left uh, this game. Here's what Andy Reid had to say about the injured guys and also how he thought his team performed against the Jags. Juju Smith and uh, Chris Lamonds have concussions, so they'll go into the uh, protocol part of it and do that. Andrew Wiley um, sprained his elbow, and we'll just see how he does. He'll have an MRI tomorrow as we go. All in all, uh, it was a <clears throat> good game to get. Doug's got it. Doug's done a really nice job with this crew, and um, and I I know he's got this young quarterback that he's developing, and I know they'll continue to get better um, down the road. But gave us all we could handle there, and and uh, um, it ended up being a good good game. So uh, the crowd was unbelievable, loud, and um, uh, they're crazy. I mean, it's a that, it's a beautiful thing to have a home like this and and uh, for our players and and coaches um, as far as some of the individual achievements uh, Pacheco had a nice day today uh, running the football and that also is part due with the, the offensive line doing a nice job MVS had a, a big catch at the end that um, I, I thought was tremendous but he had a good day all the way around but he had that big catch at the end on our sideline that was great Carlos um, got his hundredth sack, and yeah, my hat goes off to him. That's a that's a lot of football right there to get get you into those numbers. Um, and he's he's done a nice job here with it. Um, Kadarius got introduced to uh, Kansas City a little bit more than what he what he had last week, and and had a nice day. Some some nice plays in there. Uh, the young DBs, you know, uh, all of them. I mean, 23, 21, 35. They've um, I thought played well. Chris Jones, Colin Saunders. I mean, these guys had sacks, and I thought they played well all all day. So, all in all, it was a good game. Uh, we've got plenty of things to to work on that we need to clean up. Uh, a few too many mistakes, but again, uh, not easy to win in the National Football League. So we cherish each one of these as we go. Right before that, I was kind of going through my list of all the guys that I felt like deserved some form of shout-out that I think we've mostly hit on over the course of the show so far. You hear from Andy Reid there that it's a long list of guys who really did contribute in major ways in this game. Uh, particularly, I don't, I don't know that I mentioned that MVS catch enough because that was absolute sideline gorgeousness in a, in a sport that's producing a lot of that these last couple of days. Marvin Harrison Jr. last uh, yesterday in, in the college game for Ohio State. He's not eligible for the draft for another full year. I think the Chiefs should just go ahead and try to draft him this year and see if anybody notices. Maybe they can just pluck him. One of the most incredible sideline catches I've, I've ever seen. Um, and then MVS today, in his own right, creates an absolute highlight. I think Justin Jefferson had a, a gym today that I haven't even gotten to see yet. 
just a a big day for uh, pass catchers, but also a big day for a ton of those dudes that Andy Reid just mentioned there, all of them deserving in the game that came together the way that it did. Uh, next up, we'll hear from Andy Reid on the Juju Smith-Schuster injury. He mentioned, of course, he was in concussion protocol. His looked really bad, and obviously that came on the, the flag thrown, then picked up no uh, defenseless wide receiver helmet to helmet contact penalty on that one. Here's Andy Reid on the Juju Smith Schuster injury sequence. Well, as long as there's contact to the head, I mean, I, I doesn't need to be in the game. So it looked like there was contact to the head from where I was standing, but I'm not the the one making that that call. So. Any explanation for why there was a flag picked up based on that? Yeah, they said that he hit with his his shoulder. Um, and so that's why they picked it up. I, um, you hit somebody in the head, you're, you're hitting in the head. But they said it was shoulder to shoulder is what they said. And, uh, you know, he obviously was in a pretty bad position there for hitting shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he might have hit him with his shoulder, but he also hit him with his helmet in his helmet. I think Andy Reid knows that in the way that he's navigating it all right now. Chiefs have been around a lot of poor refereeing this year, and if Andy Reid has successfully gotten this far without getting fined, I'm guessing he's going to keep that up. But here's, uh, here's more of Andy Reid on, on his reaction to the, uh, the juju sequence. Yeah, that's not good. That's not a good feeling at all. And uh, that's why I tried to explain to, to the officials there that um, guys don't get hit in the shoulder and lay around like that right there. So, you know, there's more to it. Somewhere the head was involved. And, um, and, and so that's what the rules put in for, for that type of thing. He's right. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's oversimplifying it. And, and, you know, that next play MVS was on the ground for maybe an extra beat or two. And then he, he sprung up pretty good. You know, it wasn't quite the, the rattling that obviously Smith Schuster had, but, if we all saw immediately the hands, the arms, all of the telltale signs of something here has gone horribly wrong, if you're a ref on the fence at that point, do you not look at that and just say, oh, well, there, we've, we've seen the result here. It's hard to imagine a world in which that process is completely clean. And one of the refs correctly threw the flag at the time. Then somebody came in to overrule it. And um, I'm standing by what it feels like a pretty dumb, bold take on this one, which is the NFL might admit a mistake. It'll be interesting to see, though, because they don't do that unless they absolutely have to. On the offensive side, for a receiver who was able to step up with even more opportunity this week, Kadarius Toney got involved quickly and often. McCole Hardman, of course, out all week with an abdominal injury. Um, he was, of course, inactive, and then Juju goes out. MVS has his uh, exit and return. Sky Moore got a little bit more involved, but really, Kadarius Tony earned a lot of the praise for the offense in this game. Got involved through the air and on the ground. Here's Andy Reid on how Kadarius Tony's picked up the offense as quickly as he has. Yeah, well, you'll have him here in a second, but he's he's a smart kid, and uh, he does pick it up easy, um, although he's willing to spend time at it, too. So he's not just uh, getting the, the plays and then not studying. Um, he, he spends the time at it. Uh, he's very talented. Um, we're trying to give him some things that he's done before and then adding one or two things the last couple of weeks that, that he's not used to doing so he can continue to grow. But And then, you know, the quarterback has trust in him because of the feel he has. That's interesting also there, the idea that, hey, we got to find the things that we know he can do to, to produce quickly and in a pinch. And also we want to keep 
we want to keep pushing him with things he hasn't done before so he continues to grow and evolve as a player. That feels like a pretty good strategy, especially when it works like it does today, where a guy in his second game with the Chiefs becomes a really big part of it. Uh, a guy who's become an even bigger part of the offense, taking a little bit of time, but it's his rookie season as a seventh-round pick. You'll forgive the development, I'm sure. Isaiah Pacheco led the Chiefs in carries today. Here's what Andy Reid had to say when asked why the rookie got the bulk of the work. Yeah, no, they all played, um, and he was he was uh, going, so we tried to get him into the flow, and he did a nice job with it. Uh, we're lucky that we have three guys that we feel that comfortable with uh, putting them in. So. He got into the flow, looked pretty good doing it with that one fumble being the obvious negative mark. But Clyde Edwards-Elaire, former first-round pick, all of that, we've talked about it. Uh, he got involved a little bit. Andy Reid said we got all three guys involved. This was a Pacheco and McKinnon game, uh, no question, because Clyde Edwards-Elaire had no carries. No rushing attempts for Clyde. Is that by design? Um, no, not at all. Uh, it's just the way it worked out, you know. The other kid got most of the rushes, so. Um, he did. He, he, I mean, that's a pretty, I don't know. By design is a, is a funny thing for Andy Reid to respond to there um, because I don't think he would cop to designing Clyde out of the offense. But was it by design to get Pacheco and McKinnon more involved? Probably. So what does that mean? That's that's how Andy Reid needs to answer that one in a in a presser. But I think that's an interesting uh, little little snippet of uh, where the Chiefs' offense stands right now. And Pacheco, to his credit, uh, had a good game even with that aforementioned fumble. Here's Andy Reid on how the young kid bounced back from the early giveaway. He had the, the fumble down there in the the red zone. Went right back to him. That's what you want to see from him responding after a tough play. Yeah, he's a young guy, man. You got to get back on the horse. So he was upset that he he fumbled. He learned from it. Now you got to go. Uh, and uh, with the other side of the ball, having a lot of other rookies and other young guys getting involved, we've already mentioned all of those corners. Leo Chanel, uh, I'm sure there are George Karloftis. I, I, you go through that entire draft class and probably go back a couple, and you're going to find some young defenders that Andy Reid would like to give some credit to. Yeah, and they're getting better every week. Uh, that's part I like the most. Uh, uh, they're working hard. They've bought in. Um, uh, I, I like the veterans and how they've kind of help these guys along, even though it might take a little playing time away from, from them, but it's um, they've been very gracious with that. And, uh, and you know, that's, what, that's a neat thing to have on a team. You know. And that growth is going to be important, not just for this iteration of the Chiefs, but for the future ones as well. Uh, now, again, with the fumble and uh, of Isaiah Pacheco's, you also have the fumble from Jody Fortson on the kick return. Patrick Mahomes throws the interception. Uh, the game was relatively in control at that point. We certainly don't like a giveaway. Andy Reid talked a little bit about the Chiefs' miscues in this game. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tribute to the guys, the coaches, and the players, but. We've got to get rid of some of that stuff um, that you're talking about. Make sure we clean the, clean it up. Uh, you don't you, know, you, you shoot yourself in the foot; it's going to come back and bite you. So we got to make sure that we we take care of business there. Yeah, it's an interesting sequence because I keep looking up on the the Fox game currently going, and I think I've already seen Aaron Rodgers and now Dak Prescott each turn the ball over, and I'm not sure that was the first or second turnover of the games either. 
look, I hate to see Jody Fortz and give the ball up on a, on a touchdown or on a, on a kick return. I mean, that's horrible for the Fort season brand. Everyone knows this, but. I don't have to tell you twice that uh, a young running back giving up the football means that his career is is suddenly not going anywhere because I have some pretty distinct memories of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Kareem Hunt both putting the ball on the ground and then obviously look we're we're talking about Clyde getting kind of designed out of the offense today and Kareem Hunt was just designed out of the sport with his own actions briefly and now of course he's been successful in Cleveland as well not as much so but anyway the Pacheco fumble Reed already talked about that in the previous clip. Feel good about where he's going to be. I, I don't think that should dissuade you at all. If it becomes a problem or a pattern, Darwin Thompson perhaps, you know, that's a different that's a different situation. But Pacheco has not been fumble prone to this point. And with the uh, the Patrick Mahomes pick, yeah, it was unfortunate, but not um, not something I'm going to lose any sleep over. It was like one play after he did something incredible, and in that case. It's a pass he shouldn't have thrown. So, yeah, of course, you can't have those in bigger games, and um, certainly you you don't want Mahomes giving the ball up because he's the guy you trust the most with the ball in his hand. But ultimately, maybe this is because they played better in other spots as well, and the defense didn't let the Jags turn many of those turnovers into great opportunities. But they were able to escape without them really coming back to bite them. Uh, speaking of miscues, one of them was before the kickoff of this game because uh, I was absolutely stunned to hear the Chiefs won the toss and will receive. They've been winning the toss and deferring forever now, it seems. They they then do attempt to receive. The Jags, of course, get the ball to start the second half, and then in the first half they start the ball anyway because of the onside kick. But uh, Andy Reid said that that was not all by design. Just a little uh, house cleaning thing. At the beginning of the game, you guys won the toss and generally defer. What was the choice there on that or did they do the right thing? Uh, that wasn't a good choice so we we goofed that one a little miscommunication we goofed that one says Andy Reid um somebody didn't know the message or somebody said the wrong thing or someone wasn't listening I don't know I have to go back and review the film of the uh of the captain sequence and see if anybody made the receive motion or something that they shouldn't have done. But uh, once again, like with some of the other miscues in this game in particular, not excusing them in the future, but in this game in particular, the Chiefs were able to escape without much more uh, damage from it all because the defense stepped up in their own way. The Chiefs offense did enough and enough of it looked easy as they moved the ball. Travis Kelsey and, and frankly, Kadarius Toney, being huge parts of what this offense was doing. Of course, Juju looked great before the injury. Then after that, it was really by um, by committee, if you will. Marquez Valdez-Scantling actually lands second in receiving on his three catches for the day. Kelsey goes six for 81. Tony, four for 57. And then McKinnon next up uh, with, the, with six catches for 56 yards on the ground. Overall, enough on both sides. Maybe not the Chiefs' most perfect game, but certainly, as a caller earlier mentioned, not one you want to apologize for because you don't apologize for wins in the NFL. And certainly this one, I didn't get the feeling whatsoever that the Chiefs like won a game they weren't supposed to win. They just played a B-level game against a C-plus sort of opponent who did not play their A game. 
So sometimes you win by just being better kind of boringly. That's what the Chiefs did today. Not They don't all have to be roller coaster heartbreakers. And my uh, my blood pressure says thank you for that fact. This is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I am Joshua Briscoe, the Drake on the other side of the glass. Dylan Michaels producing behind the scenes. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. And when we come back, we will hear from Patrick Mahomes. That's the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll hear him next here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Twins left, one receiver right. It's Watson. Pacheco the back. Mahomes in the shotgun. Sends the receiver in motion near side. Here's Mahomes to throw. Out to the right. Wide open is Tony, who tiptoes along the sideline to keep his balance and goes in for his first career receiving touchdown. His first, not just Kansas City Chief, but his first Career touchdown for Kadarius Tony in the NFL. A crazy play there. A great game for the new pass catcher for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that touchdown is brought to you by Greengrass Cattle Company. You can visit their store in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch, or order online at greengrasscattleco.com, and they'll deliver right to your door. They're locally owned and operated right there in Weston, Missouri. They implement the best practices with their premium black Angus cattle, providing the best feed, clean water, and a low-stress environment for their cattle to make sure you have the best-tasting beef in town. Real big fan of what they do there at Greengrass Cattle Co., Real big fan of what Kadarius Tony did here for the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead today. In fact, such a big fan of what Tony did on the field. I want to hear from Tony off the field. Love well, that right there is the start of it. We'll hear Kadarius Tony here. Here's what we have to say to reporters from Arrowhead right after the game. Kadarius, like your touchdown uh, to start the game. Can you sort of describe how you came off balance and ended up popping? What, what, what uh, like score your first NFL TD? I it just felt electric in there. But uh, the reason I was so, I guess, uh, hopping. Well, the reason I was hopping was because I, uh, I was too close to the uh, sideline when I caught it, and I just was excited. I saw the sound. Oh, I got to hop. <laughs> I got to get in there somehow, some way. But um, it's electric being out there, um, all the fans around you, sitting on top of you, yelling at the opponent, like on top of you yelling at them, and um, quarterback putting you in the right position. Being here in Kansas City, over here, being here in Kansas City, I mean, you know, you feel like it's a career renaissance for you? I mean, do you feel rejuvenated right now? Yeah, I feel like I'm right where I need to be. What's up, what, what things have, have helped you in, in getting to know the offense so quickly? It seems like you're, you're not really having any problems just getting right in there. What, what do you think has led to that? Uh, just really just spending extra time doing what I got to do to make sure I know what I got to do. Like, it's my job to know what I have to do, so why not spend every waking moment or every moment I got doing what I got to do, you know? Darius, is it fair to say you feel more a part of things here already than you ever did with I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw no, uh, you know, I don't want to throw no salt, but uh, kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Darius, what was the difference when Juju went down with that? Just overall, your reaction, how did the team kind of respond to that? My reaction, I was kind of, I was angry, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of mad because it's like I don't really like no dirty play, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. But I feel like it kind of gave the um, the team a, a boost, you know, kind of gave us something to really. Uh, like put them on our back, I guess you could say. Like gave us something really to play for, I guess you could say. You had to have more involvement in the offense. Was that more or less than what you were probably expecting? Uh, it was probably it was probably more than I expected. But I'm always prepared. Like when it's out down, when I'm out down the field, it's whatever. Darius on the, the ball, uh, you caught a double coverage down the sideline. Yeah. Like also in the sun, and there was illegal contact. That's a lot going on. Yeah. On that play. Can you just sort of describe what uh, 
went into making that play and securing the ball? Uh, yeah, it was kind of hard to see, but uh, like it's like when I locked in on the ball, cause I knew it was coming to me. I just locked in on it and I just went up and made the play. The pump fake was for you. Yeah, yeah, the pump was for me. Yeah, so uh, get the the cornerback to jump the uh, first route it was a double move. I'm guessing you didn't expect to hop into the end zone for your first career. <laughs> no, not. But what was that feeling like, and when did it register with you that you had had your first career NFL touchdown? I don't think it's still registered with me yet, but uh, as I was hopping, I was just sitting there thinking, like, what did I do to be in this position? Like, how can I thank God anymore? You know what I'm saying? To be here and, you know, do what I can. And when you say that, I mean, obviously, the two years in New York coming here now, do you feel like it's going to be a career renaissance for you? I mean, really, what's it like playing with Patrick Anderson got the first touchdown? Uh, playing with him, it's just you. He gonna put you in position, and you just gotta know where you gotta be to make a play. You know, it's just he gonna put it there, like wherever, wherever it gotta be, it's gonna be there. Just more of um, you doing your your part, I guess you could say. Darius, were you told were you told that you were taking all the punt returns today? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity to go to New York. I mean, I don't really feel this way or that way about it. I mean, everything happened for a reason. I don't really question God. You know, I'm here for a reason. So um, I guess you could say New York was it was a learning experience, you know, just getting my feet wet. Uh, I'm a rookie coming in, just trying to learn how the business go, how everything really go. And um, now I'm here, you know. Are you doing anything different now that you weren't doing there? Um, no, nah, not really. I mean, I work hard every day. I mean, I can't I can't help what happened, you know. Darius, uh, Coach said that the referee explained to him on the Juju's hit that it was a shoulder-to-shoulder hit, but it certainly looked like. And that was it. That was that was that was illegal. That was illegal. Yeah. yeah so when you're out there playing, I mean, this is a tough position you play. You know, you're going to get a hit like yeah. that. I mean, what do, what thoughts go through your head, or how do you put that out when you know those plays can happen? Um, it just you just always got to think positive while you're out there. I mean, you just um, you never know what's going to really happen out there. It just uh, it could be a moment or. Anything that you know could change whatever or the course of the game or the course of what, what you got going, your injury or whatever. But um, it don't really, to me, it, it really don't make me not go hard. You know, it made me really go harder because I mean, just seeing him on the ground, like it, it kind of made me mad, like angry. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it took a different kind of emotion out of me because I don't really like seeing my teammates down or anything like that. So uh, that's it. <laughs> There's Kadarius Tony, and uh, we actually have an update on that penalty uh, because our friend Adam Teicher, you can hear all across the station here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City all week long. He is the pool reporter with the NFL referees after the game, and he talked to Brad Rogers. He asked, I was curious why the flag was picked up on the play with Juju Smith-Schuster and why that was not a penalty. This is a courtesy of the pool report. Herbie Tiopa tweeted it out. Teicher's asking the question. Brad Rogers responded, After discussion on the field, the two officials came in and determined that the defender had set and braced for impact and hit shoulder into shoulder. They didn't feel it was use of a helmet foul. Teicher, so no defenseless receiver either in that case? Rogers, he was in a defenseless posture, but they didn't feel that there was any use of helmet helmet foul on that. It's kind of cut off on the far right side here. Um, Could the Jacksonville player have been penalized for a hit on a defenseless player? He is subject to a defenseless player foul because the player is making the catch. We didn't feel that was a foul because he's hitting shoulder to shoulder. One more from Teicher. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Chiefs cannot challenge that, right? Rodgers, that is correct. 
I think I probably lost money on my very silly bet from earlier that the NFL might admit some sort of culpability in that one. Maybe it'll still happen. I'm not sure I'm ready to, to cash out that ticket just yet. Because in the pool report, it wasn't even was that the right call or not after looking at it later. It, the, the ref simply said, here's what happened. He had in no way, shape, or form an attempt to defend the call, really. It was, well, they didn't think. They wouldn't think. At the t- it is all past tense. They didn't feel. That continues to be the phrase used multiple times here in these quotes. Because if they had the benefit of looking at it again now, I just think... And this is part of the this is part of the problem with referees, man, and, and the the NFL's relationship with them right now. Do you know what I would appreciate from Brad Rogers? Yeah, they looked at it and they talked and and they didn't think it was helmet to helmet, but obviously we've seen the replays since the game was over, and it, it certainly should have been. That quote would be okay. That's an okay thing to say. You're allowed to say, this game is played by superhumans really fast. And we we talked, and we didn't want to over-penalize in this game. Other than that, there were not a ton of penalties in this game. I felt like it, was, it, it moved pretty smoothly, as opposed to some recent games of the Chiefs' past. And they could say, yeah, we, we just... We looked at it as a bang-bang play. We thought, you know what, that looked like shoulder-to-shoulder. We didn't see the direct helmet-to-helmet contact hit that everyone with the benefit of replay saw. And we, the NFL, have refused to do something very easy, which is to put an AirPod on the head ref's ear just from somebody in the booth upstairs. We could solve all these in two seconds. And the time it took to, to bring Juju off the field where he was, if not unconscious, unmoving for a while... In the period of time it took to get him back onto his feet and maybe to remind him that he was at Arrowhead Stadium, a ref could have buzzed down and said, yep, that was hey, that was helmet to helmet. Put that flag back down. And in that time, the ref could have come back up to the headset and said, after further discussion, it has been determined there was helmet to helmet contact against a defenseless receiver, 15-yard penalty against Jacksonville, first down. I just role-played it for you. I just did it from this chair. It wasn't that hard. We all were able to do it live because we have replay, and the NFL is making people do this from their, their naked eyes. I don't, even, I don't even get mad at referees very often anymore because I really do think they are human beings being asked to do a superhuman job. See everything on a football field at eye level to the rest of the players, by the way. I don't know, I, this is a uh, a real humble brag, but or a freshman year college, I think, I had a chance to be on the field for a, a big chunk of, a, of Chiefs Chargers. It was a Keenan Allen touchdown, I think, right in front of me in the far end zone. Chiefs lost that game. Sorry, everybody. But if you are, if you have really good seats, you ever have a chance to be down at field level, there is so much clutter. It is all, it, this has to be an impossible job. I, I really, I feel for referees in that regard. We have a better vantage point at home than they do in the stadium. Because we have slow-mo, we have replays. I'm not saying everything like this needs to be challengeable. I don't want helmet-to-helmet penalties being challenged. But I want to have a common-sense booth ref, call him the common-sense sky judge, 
where they can just buzz in and say, hey, this one's really obvious, and if we change this call or don't change this call, every single person at home is going to know we got it wrong five seconds after you give up the ability to actually change the play or to change the call. It's just as simple as picking up the flag. I, I, maybe the NFL will do something about it this offseason. I feel like I've been ranting about this exact problem for multiple years now, and the NFL doesn't seem all that interested in actually getting it right. So the, la- the least we can do at this point, I suppose, is sit here and complain about it and continue to give them a free solution that they have elected not to take. Really frustrates me. Because if it's, if it's so obvious that I can give you the answer, it can't be that complicated. It just seems so obvious. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and hear from the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, but not until you hear that it's all brought to you by our friends at Xfinity, bringing you the Patrick Mahomes press conference. We start with really the story of the offensive side of the ball today, or I guess one of them. There are a few contenders, but one of the fun ones today is, of course, Kadarius Tony. Patrick Mahomes was asked about that sideline-hopping touchdown of Tony's and the progress he's made so far as a Kansas City Chief. I honestly don't know exactly what I said, but I, I was hyped up for him. It, it was funny because that we had some plays designed for him to score, in the, but if you would have told one play I didn't think he was going to score on, it was that one. But uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was cool to see. I mean, everybody was excited for him. Um, luckily he didn't run out of bounds. He's getting close there on the sideline. Um, I actually heard him as the route was going on going, hey, because he was wide open. So that, that helped me out a little bit. Yeah, it was, I mean, obviously it's obviously in the play design. It's like the fifth read. So it, we, he was kind of the distraction guy trying to bring kind of guys over. And then I wanted to kind of go flat to the stick route to the over to Kels. And then I heard him yelling, and I was like, man, who's yelling at me over there? I looked over, and he's wide open. So it was he was going to take the last read in that play. Um, but in this offense, that last read might be open sometimes. So you got to stay, stay ready for it. That's hilarious. Fifth read on that play, and it, 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 it looks like it. You watch Mahomes work through his progressions on that play, and then eventually he brings it back. And the throw actually is kind of wild because his feet are very much set up. I'm miming this for nobody. I'm miming this for Drake. His, his Really, his feet and his front shoulder were, were pointed towards the middle of the field, if not fully looking left, and he kind of begins floating around a little bit, but by the time he gets around to see Tony, he, he is not he's not exactly squared up towards t- number 19. He, he whips that thing out through the side, and all of a sudden, uh, number 19 is, is bouncing his way to his first NFL touchdown. A, a really tremendous, uh, a tremendous play and what ended up being a tremendous game for Kadarius Tony. Listen to Patrick Mahomes here live on Sports Radio 810 WHB, Kansas City. Joshua Briscoe, The Drake, and Dylan Michaels getting you to, uh, what do we have up next? Drake, I, I should have asked you this again earlier, probably off air, but NFL-wise, sorry. I was going to tease the, tease what starts when we get done here. Well, Sunday Night Football tonight, pregame for that starts at 6.30, but once we're wrapped up here, we will listen to the conclusion of Packers-Cowboys. Excellent. Okay, that's been on my uh, screen in here. Oh, also, hey, quick check-in in the AFC West. Jeff Saturday's Colts up 13-7 to on Josh McDaniels' Raiders. Um, that's hilarious for every reason that you could ever imagine. There are like 15 of them. It'd be the rest of the show if I spent all the time talking about how funny that game is to me. So we'll keep an eye on that if anything else uh, fun happens, but in a matchup of traditional NFC Blue Bloods, currently uh, one team trying to stop the bleeding, another trying to get back into the mix in the NFC East. We'll bring you Packers and uh, and Cowboys shortly before Sunday Night Football tonight, all here on your home for the NFL. Next up, though, from Patrick Mahomes, uh, we, we go back to the Kadarius-Tony grind here. 
he really has gotten a lot of involvement in this offense pretty quickly. Here's what Mahomes had to say when asked why Tony has been able to pick up so much so fast. Yeah, I mean, first off, he's a smart guy. I mean, he learned, he learned a lot fast, and uh, we've been able to put him in positions, uh, especially a lot more this week. Um, but uh, he's a smart guy. He plays hard. Um, and w- whenever he's got his opportunities, made plays happen. And uh, it, this offense is, like I said all year, it's going to be everywhere. And I think you saw that again today. Um, guys stepped up and made plays happen, and uh, that's that's the special part about this offense. They really have followed in those footsteps. That's not an exaggeration to say that they have spread the ball around like crazy, including Marquez Valdez-Scantling getting his first touchdown as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I was excited for him because he's made a lot of big plays happen, and I, I feel like I've kind of un, not under-underthrown, but underthrown him enough that he hasn't had some of these big play touchdowns that you expect from him. Um, and so for him to, to another play where he's not necessarily the first read, but working his way, getting himself open um, and making a play, uh, I'm excited for him because he's, he's kept it going. He's kept, even though he's not scoring touchdowns, he's making himself ready and available. And, I mean, that's, that's a big part of this offense. A little bit of two minds here. One is you certainly want to see MVS hitting these big plays more often and soon. But I, that's sort of a negative slant on what I think is ultimately a really good thing, which is that MVS is becoming a full member of the offense not just some like deep shot specialist. I never thought that was going to be the, the future for MVS in Kansas City. I, I always assumed that that would be a, a real marriage into this offense altogether. He's got, he's got a three-year deal, but the Chiefs kind of have little outs each year. I, I'd ex- certainly expect him to be on this team next season. Uh, but, but getting him more involved and also into some of those down-the-line reads and, uh, and some of those more intermediate plays, especially if Juju misses time next week and beyond and then in the next year if if he's not on the team I mean I know we're looking way down the line for a freaking postgame show but that continued meshing is going to have both short-term and long-term benefits both for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and for the Chiefs offense Patrick Mahomes talks about in this clip here He's not forcing the ball to any particular wide receivers. I think that does have some benefit in this offense. Yeah, I try my best this year to not try to do that. I, I let Coach Reed call the plays, uh, Coach Bianami call the plays, um, and I let the game come to me. And I think that's helped me uh, be even more efficient this year. Um, and now if I can stop throwing dumb fourth-quarter interceptions, I'd have some good games. All right, so it sounds like Mahomes uh, doesn't need anybody to tell him that fourth-quarter pick was no good. He knows it himself. It's also funny because he doesn't say it quite that way very often about his own picks because very often they're not his fault. Uh, that Sky Moore one was on Sky Moore. The Travis Kelsey one was on Travis Kelsey. And this one, sounds like Mahomes took the uh, took the blame for. Uh, back to Juju Smith-Schuster, though. He obviously left this game on a scary hit um, where he was, of course, shortly thereafter put in the concussion protocol, rolled out for the game. No big updates on any of that yet, but he was able to walk into the locker room, which is certainly, I mean, whenever a player goes down and is doing the fencing response thing, being on his feet is a huge deal in terms of just how mortifying those moments can be. But uh, Mahomes talked about that hit to Juju and his reaction to the injury when that all went down. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. Um, Obviously... I don't think there was like any ill intent from the player. I mean, he's just trying to knock the ball loose and, and do stuff like that. Um, but uh, obviously there was some helmet-to-helmet contact, and um, we, we want to get that out of the league as much as possible to, to, for player safety. Um, so if we can review that and kind of make it to where there can be some type of penalty or something, uh, I mean, obviously you want to get that stuff out of the league as much as possible. I think that's a pretty fair assessment there from Patrick Mahomes, but I'll let him also tell you if he thinks that Juju hit was dirty or not. No, no, I don't. I don't 
it, it, it's so it's so hard in this league, man, because these guys on defense are playing too. They're trying to do their best to stop us. Um, but I mean, by the rules, I mean, if it's helmet to helmet, it's supposed to be a flag. And uh, I know that guy wasn't trying to. Um, and I know it's a bang bang call that doesn't always go your way. Um, but you want to do your best to try to get that stuff out of the league so that we can have those guys out there playing and being safe. I think that's the right take. I really do. I I don't know that I'm necessarily all that worked up for, oh, he's out there headhunting. But that is the exact type of hit that you're trying to legislate out of the game, even when it's not headhunting, even when it's not the point of the hit to cause injury. You, you, just, you can't have that. You can't have that even in incidental contact senses. If a face mask is is unintentional, it still gets called because you don't want guys to get their necks broken. So you you can't say, hey, if it looks like, that used to happen, right? You have your 15, your five yard face mask penalties. That was when did that change? Drake, you might have a feeling. I don't know. But less than 10 years ago. I think so. You know, the last two years seems like it could be two months to me. I, I'm, the the <laughs> pandemic has thrown all sense of time in my life out of whack. I'm saying it feels like about 10 years feels like about the right call. But uh, I will see if I can find the answer to that for our own sake of just sort of pinpoint. Because I remember, I remember the change. Like I was, you know, I was certainly watching uh, watching plenty of football at this time. But I'm wondering if it is going to be... Oh, it is certain. It is more than 10 years. This is what you're going to watch me turn into into Tim Allen from the Santa Claus here. 2008. Before 2008, there were differing degrees of penalties given to uh, to offenders. Incidental face masks, five-yard penalties. Intentional face masks, 15. So it was before 2008. Presumably that changed uh, in the 2008 season. So see, I'm 14 years. 2008 wasn't 10 years ago. <laughs> see, that also, that's actually a very good point. Maybe that's why that was. It, it, you could convince me it's 2018 right now. I don't. I don't know if it's that far off. Um, with that being said, the the point of that rule change is again like you, not not just to make it easier on the refs or whatever, but you you have to say hey, incidental or not, you can't have your hands up that high because if a finger gets caught, first of all, you might break your finger, but if if a finger gets caught and all of a sudden something wonky happens, we've got you tearing this dude's head off, metaphorically. That is an unnecessary play that we think we can get out of our sport to at least some extent. And when it happens, we're really going to punish it. That's at least been the logic of the NFL. I'm not sure that's even the best way to do it, frankly. There, I mean, there are a lot of different ways you could approach this issue. But like Mahomes said there, it's exactly what you're trying to get out of the sport. Even if it's not dirty, you you cannot have... You cannot have receivers risking their brains in, on every eight-yard catch. I know some of that's fundamental an issue to the sport. But if we're not talking about banning football, can we at least get some of those appropriately responded to? I don't know. I, I, I just think they missed it, frankly. I might have spent too much time on it already because I think it's as simple as uh, they missed it. Annoying that they didn't cop the missing it postgame. Maybe somewhere this week there'll be a. You know what's going to happen is that defender's going to get fined this week, and we're going to go what? I don't because I don't know that he should get fined, but it should have been a fifteen-yard penalty. That's so complicated. Maybe it is. Uh, let's go back to the running game here from Mahomes. The uh, the diatribe was mine. The uh, the perspective though from Mahomes, I think I will uh, sign up for. But we go back to the backfield. Patrick Mahomes talked about this this week's number one runner, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, he stepped out and had a big game. I mean, especially, you'd like to see guys respond. I mean, he, had, he was running the ball really well in that first drive and had the fumble. 
Um, and some guys can shut it down, and uh, we kind of went right back to him, let him keep running it, and he, he stepped up. And so um, that's a great running back room. Um, we got a lot of guys that play well, and when the offensive line's protecting like they were doing today and, and run blocking like they were, that makes our team really, really hard to stop. That's true. I mean, when, when the running game can be effective, they don't have to do it very much, but they have to do it effectively, and, and they did that today. Mahomes um, also talked about Pacheco's progress, and he was asked if that was a surprise at all. Not, not really. I mean, he's he's a he's a super he's a smart guy as well. Um, this offense is hard, especially on that running back position, uh, to learn because you have to do all the protections, you have to do all the routes, you have to run the ball, and we have different type of run schemes. And so, for for him, he's he has all the talent in the world. So now he's just going to continue to get better and better as he learns those little tricks of the trade to kind of go out there and and make stuff happen. Where you might this this read might not be exactly how it was scouted on during the week, but how can I make this run work? And as he gets more and more reps, he'll get even better. And it seems like the Chiefs are looking to get him more and more reps, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Back to Juju here quickly. Mahomes was asked if he had talked to uh, one of his top receivers yet after the game. Patrick, did you have you seen Juju after the game or at halftime? You get a chance to talk to him yet? Yeah, I, I, got, I got to talk to him. Uh, I mean, obviously it was scary uh, when you're out there, um, but I mean, we saw him after the game. He seemed perfectly normal. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just you know, he'll. I'm sure. I don't want to say anything about the injuries. He'll sure have to do something to get himself back available for us, um, which is, I mean, the right thing to do. Um, but uh, he seemed like he was his normal self, giggling around, joking around, and stuff like that. And uh, let's just take precaution and get him back healthy as fast as possible. That's certainly good news there from Patrick Mahomes that Juju seemed like his old self and was um, just sort of clowning around with the guys after the fact. Obviously, there, there are different degrees to it, right? He, he didn't go off on a backboard, thank God. Um, walked off. Hallelujah. He seems good after the game. Fantastic. Um, does not necessarily mean that he needs to take a bunch more hits to the head Sunday night against the Chargers in a very just sort of Big picture sense, I'm kind of rooting for him not to, just because I don't I, I don't need the Chiefs to go through something like the Dolphins went through. I don't need Juju to go through something like Tua went through. But um, obviously there are a lot of people who will be involved in that. Rick Burkholder and the rest of the Chiefs uh, training staff, I, I imagine, is going to be very, very aware of of where the head injury situations are throughout the league right now, and I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll give him appropriate care through that, but... Uh, good to hear from Mahomes that, that Juju looked good uh, and sounded like himself after the game, and it wasn't some, you know, leave in an ambulance sort of instance because uh, we've seen those happen, and they are horrible. Uh, on that hit, and, and also uh, I'm sure probably referring a little bit to the MVS non-call as well, Patrick Mahomes was, about, was asked about the uh, the picked-up flag. Threw a flag and picked it up on that play, and then on the, on the interception you threw, they threw a flag for roughing and picked it up. Did you get an explanation on why they picked that one up? The roughing one wasn't roughing, so that's probably why. Um, but uh, I wish it was, so I didn't have an interception. But uh, but it, it wasn't. Um, the the one where he got the helmet to helmet, I, I believe they were saying something about he was leading with his shoulder. Um, but I mean, it's you, I know I know those guys aren't trying to helmet to helmet hit guys. I mean, we've we've preached that in this league, and we've we've tried to take care of each other. We want to play hard and compete, but we're trying to take care of each other out there on the field. But uh, I mean it. From the review, it looked like it was helmet-to-helmet. So I'm sure they'll review that, they'll make their changes, and come back better next week. Patrick Mahomes continues to be right about everything. That that roughing foul was not a foul. It was not roughing the passer. It would have been nice for the Chiefs if it was. Like Mahomes said, he wouldn't have had that pick if it would have been called roughing, but he got pushed. We we don't want to live in a world where that's roughing the passer, so it's okay. Um, The Juju one, yeah, that's the explanation we've heard now from Via Reed and Mahomes both, but it just should have been a flag. 
Uh, Mahomes did ask, uh, was asked about the uh, the effect on that play uh, of that play on the team, and he said the team was fired up after that hit on Juju. Yeah, I mean we, I mean we have a, a brotherhood here. I mean uh, it's been fast because it's been a lot of new guys, but I mean these guys we're all best friends. I mean we, we're we're doing stuff together every single day. We're playing Call of Duty at night. We're we're guys that we guys that uh that we want to go out there and compete with each other, um and 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 be the best that we can be. And so to see that, I mean it just tells you that these guys love each other out there on the field. And we'll go out there. And we're gonna go down fighting together. Yeah, I mean, we've heard a lot in recent weeks, especially about some of the uh, the team building and all that. You see one of your guys go down in a violent fashion like that. That's got to be a tough moment for your friend. I mean, it's hard to watch just somebody in the in the laundry of the team you root for. Um, certainly, though, you've spent all that time with somebody. It's got to it's got to be pretty affecting. A couple more here from uh, Patrick Mahomes. We talked a little bit about the offensive line today, but as usual, when you don't talk about the line, it usually means something positive. When you do talk about the line, it often means something negative. Not the case here, though, Mahomes. We've, we've barely talked about them, and, and here Mahomes uh, finally gets a chance to talk about the O-line's performance. I'm guessing, I don't know, but I'm guessing he was pretty happy with the way they uh, they held up against a pretty good Jags defense today. Yeah, I think they've accepted the challenge these last few weeks. I mean, even last week, whenever there were sacks, there was more coverage stuff. It wasn't on the offensive line. I was holding the ball too long and stuff like that. And uh, That's another great defensive line we face today with first-round draft picks, guys that are big, uh, fast, um, physical, and they did a great job running and, and pass protecting. So I think as the season goes on, offensive lines, especially with the rules in training camp, they get better and better, at least the, the really good ones do. And I think you see in our offensive line as the season goes on become that elite group that we all expected. Um, I don't know that I'm fully there for elite group yet also. Andrew Wiley got replaced in that game by Prince Tega Winogo. Played the rest of the game, finished the game, played pretty well over there on the right side for my uh, my first pass at it, just watching it live. So overall, you at least give him credit for the uh, the degree of difficulty and the overall performance here. Well, we we need to see that line be dominant for a multi game stretch. Uh, I'm I'm sure uh, Jason Anderson will talk about that tomorrow on the zone. My vacation starts tomorrow, so I won't be there for it as usual. Um, but we talked about that some leading up to the game this week. Where we uh, we agreed, I think that um, the Chiefs could have a great rushing game here against the Jags, and it wouldn't mean that much unless it was ultimately the first of a two-game stretch of the offensive line performing really well, both on the ground and and in pass pro. I thought they were fine uh, against the Titans, but uh, on the ground in particular, you need to see them move uh, move some bodies, and it's starting right now. That's certainly a good sign. And then one more from Mahomes, Kadarius Tony's biggest challenge is the new guy here. What is it? I think the biggest challenge is. I mean, it's, I don't know if you, it's a challenge. I think it helps that he was kind of in a similar offense in, in New York. I mean, Kafka's there, so he, he understands some of the words, and it kind of clicks to him about stuff like that. But, I mean, ever since he's been here, he, he's got to be in that, that facility just as much as I have. I mean, he's getting, making sure he knows the splits. He's making sure he knows exactly the route uh, combinations, the different audibles that we have at the, on the offense. And, um, I mean, when you have a guy that's that talented that wants to learn and get better and better, uh, those are those special players that you want on your team. Kadarius Tony has gotten a lot of credit from the staff and quarterback for being a smart guy who's around a lot, but uh, continues there for Mahomes. I just think that's an interesting tidbit for a guy who's gotten a lot of work pretty early on in his time, or at least uh, quite a bit of work in a very early time uh, for being a member of this Chiefs team. You've got Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and more giving you a little bit of an insight as to how that's happening. That's our Patrick Mahomes press conference brought to you by Xfinity. More Sports Radio 810 postgame show coming up around the corner. Uh, it's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. And when we get back, we'll go live to Arrowhead to talk to our friend Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest about what he saw in today's game. We'll talk about that whenever we come back here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. 
Play clock winding down. Lawrence takes the snap. He's under some pressure. He's gone down. Sacked for the second time today. It's Kalen Saunders who had one and a half sacks over the last couple of weeks. Picks up another one. A loss of a yard. Well, first of all, it's Colin. They'll figure it out eventually, I'm sure. Colin Saunders with a great stretch as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. His best stretch as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs these last few weeks. Continuing today and giving us the defensive play of the game brought to you by Slagle Fence. When you need a fence... Chiefs need a defense today. You get it. Call Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence installs it all from wood to ornamental, steel to vinyl to chain link. No job is too large, and it'll look great, too. Schedule your free estimate by going to slaglefence.com or call 816-863-6159. I don't think I've ever described Matt Derrick as defensive but that's a whole different word and a whole different meaning. He joins us now from ChiefsDigest.com right now, I believe, from Arrowhead Stadium. Matt, uh, there were plenty of weird things early in this game, but the score was, well, downright normal. I think I had this game being 27-17 coming into it. I did not have the path we took to get here, uh, but sort of a, a Jeffy from Family Circus type of first half for the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, you and I were both close because I told you and Jason on Friday, 27-13 ah. was my, my prediction. And no, I mean, if you told me that this was the path it was going to take to get there, I would have said, no, no, I don't. I think you're kind of crazy. Um, but it was overall thought a fairly solid performance from this team on both sides of the football. We should have known to pick a Harrison Butker missed PAT at this point. I mean, that, that should have been predictable. Uh, but, yeah, tell me, tell me how you are feeling uh, early on in this game. I mean, by, by the time halftime came around at, at 20-7, to 7, it felt like the Chiefs were pretty well in control. But the onside kick to start and then the Pacheco red zone fumble, at least after two drives, I, I imagine there was some uh, real weird game concerns in the, uh, in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, that was a, it was an interesting turn of events there just before halftime because, honestly, I mean, it looked like Chiefs might be going to half, you know, up 21 to nothing, and that this game was just going to be absolutely over with. Um, that wasn't the way that it unfolded, of course. There were um, – but – and Jacksonville, honestly, I mean, had things gone their way with getting the ball in the second half, I mean, they could have made this game a one-score game um, after the, you know, opening drive of the second half. So – I mean, it could have gone a different way, but I think thanks to eh, a little bit of reasons why Jacksonville's three and seven ineptitude mm-hmm. allowed the Chiefs to kind of dodge a dodge a bullet there at the end of the first half. There are a good handful of guys I think we could go through just to kind of go player by player on some stories. Uh, let's start in the running back uh, backfield. Isaiah Pacheco, by far the leading carrier of the ball. Jarek McKinnon, I don't know this for a fact, but it felt like he was on the on the field for darn near every passing situation. Uh, Single-digit snaps for, uh, for, for Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Four, in fact, per Adam Teicher with 35 to Pacheco, 23 to McKinnon. Uh, sort your way through the running back room for me. Well, and, and oddly enough, I mean, you know, Clyde's been pretty consistent in his career that when he's on the field, he gets, you know, the ball coming in his way one way or the other about 50% of the time, and I guess that was true today because mm-hmm. he had two targets on four snaps. Um, you know, and Andy Reid talked about that after the game and, and indicated that wasn't necessarily the game plan for, for Clyde to get that little work, but I don't see how you just trip and fall and accidentally, you know, put Isaiah Pacheco in the game as much as you do and Jerick McKinnon, and just accidentally leave Clyde Edwards-Alaire off the field, I mean, it certainly seems intentional at this point that Isaiah Pacheco is the number one back. 
maybe it's on paper, you know, not on paper, because the Chiefs are still acting in a lot of ways, like Clyde's still the starter. But things like this don't happen if you're the starting running back. And you're right. I mean, McKinnon is out there on the field on third downs, passing situations, anytime that they need a blocker out there. Uh, and Pacheco's doing the rest of the work. And the fact that even after the turnover, he stays out there and, frankly, responded really well after the turnover to have the kind of game that he had was very productive despite that. What do you – so let's, I'm going to go back to the Andy Reid thing you just mentioned because we, we played that clip live and I immediately – I believe it was Aaron Ladd who, uh, who had the question of, was that by design? And I thought that Andy Reid might have made a little um, – I don't know, a, a linguistic uh, maneuver. Because I think if you say, hey, was the game plan to get Clyde out of the rotation? I'm guessing probably not. But if the game plan was to increase the workload for Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, it's very hard to do that without there being someone losing some work. So do, do you think that this makes the—is is this marking the beginning of a big-picture shift? Does, does this make Clyde a— um, on the field to get the ball and not much else? Is, is there a clear logic to that where, where Pacheco has jumped Clyde? I, I, I'm Look forward with me if, if we got all we could out of the present. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I think it's very hard at this point to just see that today was some random rotation yeah. that the workload ended up the way that it did. Like I said, I mean, this doesn't happen on accident. This happens because it was designed that way. Um, certainly, I mean, the indications are, I mean, if you're, if you're in the game, you know, that means that the game plan was built for you. I mean, the Mm -hmm. Chiefs didn't just go to a game plan all of a sudden to have Isaiah Pacheco in the lineup that they didn't practice all week long. They were clearly prepared for a game plan that had him on the field consistently and and didn't have Clyde Edwards Lair. And and the reason why I say that, you know, the Chiefs are, are still pretending to a degree that maybe Clyde's the starter is because, you know, if you look out there during drills and pregame warm-ups and you're looking at who's what the ones and who does what, I mean, Clyde took the number one snaps, you know, today as the first running back through the line. That's usually reserved for the starter. Uh, but that's not what they, the Chiefs did. I mean, and then you see the rever- exact reversal. So that's, that's why I say to a degree what we're seeing right now is the Chiefs, you know, paying lip service to the idea that Clyde's the starter. But when you get to the action that's on the field and the workload – it's been tilting more and more Isaiah Pacheco's way. I'm not even to say that this, to say that this is the beginning of it because I, I think it already began, and we're in the midst of it. Um, maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe next week Clyde's going to come out and take you know half the snaps, and, and Pacheco's the one that gets four touches, and we're back to talking about this being a running back by committee. But I think that the struggles against the Titans were illustrative of the fact that. Maybe a two two running back committee works. I just don't know if a three running back committee works. Mm, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about it in the specifics of the what what the uh, third wheel, so to speak, does there. And I, I think there might be something to that. Um, let's stay on the offensive side with another guy who had a couple of carries, one of them very effective, but mostly through the air. Canarius Tony looked good, Matt. Like we, I know we talked about the trade at least in and on the zone at some point. I'm sure we talked about the trade around the around the game at some point here on this show as well. But my expectations for Tony have evolved very quickly. Obviously, coming into this game, though, McCall Hardman, Juju goes down in-game. But what did you see from Kadarius Tony today? And did you also run through that experience of wondering if this whole timeline might speed up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, 
Well, we talked about it. I mean, I thought that the expectation, my expectations for Kadarius Tony were incredibly modest for the rest of the season. Like yeah. in the ballpark of 15 catches, to 150 yards, um, maybe you know, maybe gets a little bit more workload on the jet sweeps and, and reverses and that kind of thing. And so you know, he, he made up with a few more of those, and maybe backs into the end zone. Didn't really expect to see this many plays designed for him, especially this quickly. And it's not even just the fact that Andy Reid trusts him. It's that Patrick Mahomes is trusting him. Hmm. And, you know, hey, Patrick has, has proven to the point that, you know, for him to throw the football to you, you do have to earn it. And right now, Kadarius Tony is earning it. I mean, the ball's coming his way. He's making plays. Um, he clearly, when he gets on the field, he knows what he's doing and where to go and where to be. Uh, you don't see him out of place. And how much of that is that he's truly a high IQ football player and a wide receiver that is just picking this up very quickly? How much of it is that the Chiefs are, are just feeding him enough of stuff that he needs to make him productive? I don't know. I mean, maybe he really is picking up the offense this quickly, and you know, suddenly he's going to be able to a guy that you can count on for 60 snaps by the end of the season. Yeah. I still think that's a stretch, but I mean, there's no doubt this guy's electric. I yeah. mean, and to me, it, it brings me back to the question of how could the Giants not make this work? Yeah. How do you not? How do you not try longer? Why have the Chiefs not have the? Are the are the Giants just that bad at football that they don't know? Didn't know how to get the best out of this guy, or is Andy Reid just this good that they're able to make it work and there's no problems? Right. So far, there is no indication of any problems whatsoever with Kadarius Tony. No, I mean, even, like, this is really micro-analyzing, I guess, but, like, when he scooped up the punt, I mean, he really kind of had two questionable choices on the punt returns today, but especially the scooping of the punt on the sideline and getting, like, three yards before getting popped out of bounds, to me just looked like somebody who wanted the football in his hands again. Like, he's like, you know what? I got a chance. I got a little win. Yeah, sure, let me see if I can make a play. And and just that sort of attitude. I mean, I don't not not just, like, the confidence of it, but... He just seems like he's trying to get involved, and in, in, it's been working. Uh, which which of his receptions were you more impressed by, the the touchdown or the sideline play? I'll make an argument for the other one regardless. I don't care. It's both of them. <laughs> I mean, the answer is both of them. Um, but I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody hop into an end zone quite yeah. that way before. I mean, that was ridiculously athletic. I mean, there was part of me that as it happened, I was like, wait a minute, did he just pop his groin or his hammy or something? Mm -hmm. And that's why he's hopping? No, no, he just was like, I got to try and stay in bounds here. That's the only way I can do it. Um, that's That was ridiculously athletic and, and savvy, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I'm not even sure if the one punt that, that he picked up, I have to go back and watch it again, the one that he picked up near the goal line, I'm not sure if that was going into the end zone and part of his yeah. thinking was hey this ball might end up at the one i got a chance to get it to the four maybe that's what he was doing i am not sure but i have to go back and look at it for sure but i mean at this point I, hey i don't care how the bot guy gets the ball in his hands just pick yeah. it up and run yep yeah i'm with you uh so let's let's talk about the guys in front of the offense and we can switch to the defensive side and, and, and get you out of here but the offensive line today I, I thought put together a, a pretty nice performance. Patrick Mahomes was navigating the mess in the pocket when it did show up, and uh, Josh Allen did not have much of a day at all. Orlando Brown seemed like he was handling him quite well, and they did that without Andrew Wiley for a huge chunk of the game with Prince Tega Wanogo uh, finishing it out at right tackle. Uh, what did you see from the, the O-line unit altogether? 
Yeah, I, I had the same thoughts. I mean, you know, it, it felt like that Mahomes had plenty of time to throw, that, you know, they were they were creating a pretty solid pocket. Um, even when things started to break down, he had some clear lanes to escape. There was only really a couple of plays where he had to do LOL Mahomes kind of <laughs> things to, to escape and, and try and make things happen and everything. Uh, but I thought, I thought the production seemed pretty solid. And obviously, as the game wore on, there were some pretty good running lanes as well for Isaiah Pacheco. Um, they, clearly, a couple of those screens popped up because, once again, the offensive line does its job. I, I thought there was a lot to like today. And the fact that, you know, hey, the fact that you don't hear Prince Tega's name mentioned mm-hmm. as a guy that blew an assignment or anything, I mean, it tells you at least you know, he came in and gave a solid effort. Yeah. Um, I, I lied about switching to the defense. Is there anything additionally that needs to be said about the juju hit that you don't assume we've we've already covered? Um, I just don't know what the official saw. I mean, we got the official explanation from them that they ruled that the, the defender had braced himself for impact and it was a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. And I, I just don't know how you could look at that play and come to that conclusion. And, yeah. I was just really surprised they picked up the flag as quickly as they did because, you know, even though I get the officials aren't supposed to watch the replays, they do. And had they waited three more seconds and saw Juju in the position that he was on the field and looked up at the scoreboard, they could have figured out they were getting it wrong. And I just don't know why they didn't, you know, take a few more seconds to try and get it right. Yeah, I've had the same take for three years on uh, one pair of AirPods and a ref in the booth. So that's... That's all I've done today is just be upset about that. Um, and or, or just eyes. Just look at the replay and look at the guy on the ground and just tell me that that crazy that he had a concussive hit on shoulder to shoulder. Nuts. Um, but I digress because otherwise we'll spend 15 more minutes here and I don't want to do that because I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Um, you give me your standouts from the defensive side. I think you've probably got a, a number to pick from. Um, well, I would say that it would be easier to make a list of the guys who didn't stand out yeah. and were, were total stiffs today, but I'm not sure there were any of those either. Yeah. Um, this was a really good defensive effort all around. I mean, what they did to hold the Jacksonville Jaguars to what was it 49 yards rushing from the running backs? Um, that and at four yards a carry. I mean, yep. this was Jacksonville. Yep. Top five rushing offense in the league, and certainly one that has been maybe the best rushing offense in the league the last few weeks just absolutely smothered and shut down. And, and this team was really proud of that after the game. I mean, they, they hung their hat on the fact that they were able to, to stop this ground game. And they've been pretty good now consistently against a couple of really good real rush defenses. And you take away two you know, just bad over-pursuits against Derrick Henry, and we'd be talking about that just an absolutely stifling defense the last couple of weeks. Um, even the pass rush today was better. Uh, they were consistently getting home. They were getting pressure in other ways. I mean, there were quite a few batted passes at the line, too, in addition to just the hits and, and the sacks on, on Trevor Lawrence. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think there was a lot to complain about. There might have been a couple of miscommunications in the secondary with some of the young guys, but that's about the only things that I could pick at. Other than that, I, I think this entire the unit played well. They played fast. Um, didn't make a ton of mistakes, and there, I think there were a lot of people that shined. Uh, I, I think I just sort of forget that you actually like do get to be back in locker rooms again. We got a little bit of audio back from Lebo we played early on, but I, uh, you, you mentioned how the guys are feeling down there. Give me some more of that good stuff, some of that rider in the locker room flavor of uh, what, kind of what the vibe was after this game and anything else that, that jumped out to you from the locker room level. 
Well, there's a couple of things, especially one was a stark contrast from, from Sunday night after the Titans when that, that team and those players were simply exhausted and relieved to have won that game and made it through that game. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a bruising, exhausting game. And you're talking about two games, two similar outcomes. I mean, the Chiefs won this game. Yeah, they won it more convincingly than against the Titans. They had to survive that in overtime, and this was a fairly easy win. Um, but this was a obviously much more relaxed, comfortable. Um, I mean, these these guys were ready to, to celebrate this win and, and have a good time with their families and everything. Whereas, like I said, after that game on Sunday night, those guys were ready to go to bed. I mean, yeah. they just wanted to get. I mean, some of those guys were too tired to take a shower. Yeah. So you know, a, a stark contrast there. But uh, and, and, and Mahomes was coming in. You know, after the. Um, Vikings scored the touchdown to take the lead against Buffalo uh, late in their regulation on that miraculous fumble. Um, he came in and was, was sharing the news with everybody. So there was a, a lot of excitement there. You know, he was still Chad Henney and Chris Jones. And once, once Mahomes started spreading the word about that, that everybody got their phones out and, and put the Vikings bills on this game on to see about the outcome of that. So, yeah, it was a much, you know, happier, lighthearted locker room today than we saw even last week. Last thing for you then, what was it like as they were then uh, watching the end of Bills Vikings? I think that game, we had audio play, we, we were playing back audio from Lebo before that game actually ended because of the, of the overtime period. So I don't know how long you were in there when the game went final or anything like that. But, but what was, uh, any, anything else as the news became clear on that front? And then also what you think it means for the Chiefs to be back in the driver's seat in the AFC once again? Yeah, it was interesting because I, I was uh, standing actually against the wall in the media workroom or the media, the, the press conference room while, while Mahomes was on. And I think that they had just gone to the two-minute warning in overtime when, when Mahomes was finishing up his press conference because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If this game ends, I can ask Mahomes about what. Yeah. Especially with the Vikings win because that was, that was the big deal. Uh, just didn't work out that way. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, you know, the, the defensive the defensive backs all had their phones out and were watching the game. They were kind of telling everybody else what was going on. Um, but it's a big deal. I mean, certainly still with the schedule that these two teams have, I think you would have to to say that the, the New York Times needle hmm. is pointing towards the Buffalo Bills because they've got the I think the easier schedule. But Chiefs are in front now. I mean, they don't have to worry about a tiebreaker. I mean, they've got the the one game lead. I mean, they are the ones to beat. And right now, I mean, the AFC Championship goes through Arrowhead. And I, I just don't think this is a team that you want to give that to. I mean, mm-hmm. I think once they hold on to the one seed, they're going to try and do everything they can to hold on to it. Uh, ChiefsDigest.com for everything Matt Derek writes. Of course, you can hear him across 810 WHB all week long. Matt, what's, uh, what's the plan for Chiefs Digest today? Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Juju hit. Um, we're going to have a pretty, pretty good feature that I've been working on. It should be up probably tomorrow um, with uh, Colin Saunders um, and just how much he has developed this year and, and what's kind of led to that. He talked a little bit about it, but I've had some other conversations with him that uh, excited to share with everybody. Okay, all right. Well, we'll tune in for that at ChiefsDigest.com. Of course, you can also follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Derrick. Matt, I appreciate you as always. Next week in primetime is going to be Jack Johnson here in this big chair. So um, throw him some curveballs, be real mean to him, and uh, try to make it as difficult as possible, as you always do to the host of this show. Just nothing but abuse. Well, and you know that, hey, for primetime games after midnight, everything is fair game. <laughs> that is actually true. So I hope you and Jack have a nice time with that. I'll, uh, I'll text you from the beach. 
That sounds like a plan, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com on Twitter, at Matt Derrick. Um, excited to see what uh, what comes from that piece coming up on uh, on Chiefs Digest. And then, yes, again, Jack Johnson will be uh, will be in for the primetime action next week against the Chargers. Is I'll be in Florida. I believe it's pronounced. No, sorry, Florida, actually. Uh, for uh, for for that uh, that one game, then be back for the week after. Beards will be back in the big chair for I guess the I don't know big the big chair on the other side of the glass for uh, for Chiefs Chargers as well. So I don't know we're we're, we're gonna get the uh, we're gonna get the the rotation to the teams together. Look, we're we're spreading the ball around here on the uh, 18 WHB post game show. Would you rather spend time in Florida or at the Florida Georgia line? Oh man, well I'd rather spend time with Florida than with the Florida Georgia line. I think. But in really the that preposition really changes some things. You know, I might just stick around and do next week's post game show here. I'd rather be in the studio if those are my three options, I suppose. Anyway. Uh, thanks to uh to Dylan Michaels and thanks of course to the Drake whose voice you just heard on the other side of the glass, keeping us Relatively on the rails here over the course of tonight's edition of the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Always brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. If you missed any of the show and you want to check it out, you can do that on the podcast page at 810WHB.com or in the 810 mobile app. I also put it up on the... um, I don't know, zombie, almost entirely sports podcast feed. So if you're subscribed to that, wherever you get your podcasts, you can uh, catch it there. Otherwise, it'll be in the additional programming section at 810WHB.com and in the 810 mobile app. Thanks again for listening along the ride of the Chiefs. 27-17 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tune in, of course, all week long for breakdowns of this game and looking ahead to the primetime action coming up on Sunday night against the Chargers. Ought to be an interesting barn burner of a game as the Chiefs have reclaimed the number one seed in the AFC as the Bills fell to the Vikings and the Chiefs took their victory over the Jags. For the Drake, for Dylan Michaels, I'm Joshua Briscoe. This is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. We'll join Packers and Cowboys up next and Sunday Night Football here on your home for the NFL. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Bye, Mom.